Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Actually start this show. We got the radio side going so we can let Bill WD-40 into the chat room to lube us up for tonight's show. T2E and uh, Digger Dog and Blue Cruise, nice to see you all here as we are running out of time. Nick Adkins, Bobbert, good to have you back. And Philip Baca, D. Cohen, W. Decker, and uh, W. Decker, I want to speak with you after the show one day here soon, if you don't mind. Steven Squarick, welcome to SOR Check. Good morning to you, my fellow Commonwealther. And uh, let's see here. Where are we? Scrolling down. Will we run out of time? I don't know. Um, Debster, thank you for the super chat. Very much appreciate love. And Lala, thank you so much, my dear. We love you back. Lots of love back. And everybody, it is that time of the night. Hi, Luscious Jewels. Get your horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happy by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. It is that time of the month once again where we take a look back at the month that was in a little ditty we call the roundtable tonight. And we have some major, major stories that happened over the last little bit here. But you know what? It's one of those things that... If we don't talk about it, it never happened because this was a month of head scratchers. It was a month of of rolling your eyes and saying, really, did, did that seriously happen? And this is why we have a great panel for you tonight. Joining us from the UFO Report, we have little Timmy Senor. We have sweet Robbie G from After Hours. Our main science man, Science Bob. And Terry Hall, the man, the myth behind the legend of SOR. And gentlemen, and Science Bob, I want to start off with you tonight because I just want to get this topic out of the way. 
It's pissed me off for about the last year and a half, and we're just going to start there because I know old Davey's going to get fired up, and that is NASA. They come out with their $100,000 nine-month report, and they are reporting that they found nothing within NASA, nothing within the government, nothing that states that UFOs are present in United States skies. What was your thoughts on this as a man who actually has his name on more than 20 satellites in space as we speak? They are full of, what is that word I'm not supposed to use? Oh, yeah. Uh, so it wasn't, they didn't say there was no UFOs. They said they saw no evidence of extraterrestrials. This is the new, this is a new deceptive line. Everybody says we don't have any evidence, definitive evidence of extraterrestrials. What I want them to say is we have a ton of evidence and here, here's some for you to look at. And they just won't do it. What do you think is their problem, Bob? I I know, okay, and and for the majority of the public out there, they don't know that NASA is pseudo a military organization that is run by a bunch of civilians who have a keen interest on what's happening in space and developing space and, and looking deep into the stars to see what else is out there. And I think there are good intentions with NASA. I really do. But when it comes to this UFO subject, when you have a team out there that is that blatant and hiding what they know, how fair is that not only to the American public, but to the world public? Just hop on YouTube, ask for uh, Space Shuttle STS or ISS videos of UFOs. Uh, doing all sorts of crazy stuff around our craft in space, and you know that they're telling you nothing and are basically deceiving you. And I don't know what the reason is. I just think there's this kind of decision been made at very high levels to continue this deception since 1940-something, and it's just continued. It's just beyond me how they think they're actually getting away with it when every poll you see says the vast majority of people believe the government's lying to them about UFOs. Bob, I want to ask you one more question before I bring in the panel here and get their response to this. Does NASA owe the public any answers with this, with the amount of money that they, billions upon billions, if not trillions of dollars, over the last seven decades, funding this program, reaching for the stars, putting men on the moon, okay, the shuttle programs, everything in between. Don't you think we deserve something better than to treat us like we're fools and we don't know what's going on? Well, I just especially get the answers they owe us, but I especially get ticked off when what they say is, we need more data, which mean, which means we need more funding to do more stuff. It's, just, it's a money grab. All right. Let's get uh, little Timmy Senor in here. You're the guy who always brings these aggravating stories to me, especially about NASA. Because I know you do it to kind of, you know, fire me up, get me all wound up so I can't sleep at night. And I blame you for my lack of sleep. I really do. Uh, but let, let's talk about this. I mean, I mean, the 
were you disappointed with NASA? Were you happy with NASA? You know, are you are you willing to call it baby steps, or are you shaking your head like many of us? We'll get you to unmute your mic because that usually works. Uh, hold on, Timmy. You do it. There we go. There we go. Yeah, Sorry that? about that. Oh yeah, no worries. So, um, yeah, NASA has been in the news quite a bit. And they obviously put together their own scientific group, you know, to analyze what they think UAP is and how it should be studied. Um, Now, historically, obviously, they have evidence. I don't think that they know what any of the videos are. So we know they have anomalous videos. And I think that part of the reason is that they haven't made it public is because they don't know what that is. And they, they can't rule out potentially our adversaries so they just don't know what it is so they don't talk about it it's it's just a non-discussion so they put this group together to take a look at this topic i'm just looking at this very big picture potentially so they put this group together to analyze what uap potentially is and how to investigate it and i think that for them to say that more science and less stigma is needed that and and that's basically the result that they came up with. I think that's fair. That's a that's a good baby step, like you kind of said. Now, um, you know, I'm trying to see the glass half full here. Obviously, there's a there's a a massive um, you know blind side here that NASA is taking. You know, um, they have an enormous number of astronauts that have firsthand witnessed some things that are definitely indescribable and, and, you know, more than likely isn't adversarial uh, clutter or satellites, you know. And so I feel like they've got good evidence, potentially witnesses and things like that that can be put together. But they're not looking at UFOs, I think, as we've all discussed in this forum before. They're talking about UAP. It's a totally different thing. Now, when NASA's ready to say UFO and um, talk about that and ET, that's what I want to get into. Tim, and I agree with you 100%. And, you know, I would totally, totally support NASA. I have loved NASA since I was a kid. And the shuttle programs, I remember watching Columbia go up for the first time. And I thought that was one of the greatest things. I remember when I was like eight years old at the Abbotsford International Air Show in my hometown, I got to meet Sally Ride, a true hero among heroes, being the first woman in space. And, you know, that just, it won me over. It won me over big time. But the thing that I don't like about what NASA is doing is it's kind of like the the kid who causes an accident but blames everybody else except themselves. And not once have we heard NASA take responsibility for what they have in their own closet. That's what frustrates me. That's what frustrates a lot of this community. And it should frustrate our audience because they're talking about the Air Force. They're talking about the Navy. They're talking about commercial pilots. But why aren't we talking about, like Bob said, about the astronauts? What about the X-15 pilots, the X-1 pilots, and all the other people that came along with this? It's ridiculous. Terry Hall, let's get your opinion. Well, 
I was down here in the spaced out bunker. It, it might as well give it out now, David. Spaced out radio has got a secret underground bunker. I was here. They're, they were trying to kick the door down. I couldn't figure out who it was. So I went out and I picked up the card. And you know what it said on the card, David? said, never a straight answer. NASA. <laughs> That's what it said. Uh. Read the summary from the, from, the Redis meeting, from the latest meeting that they just had. They're, they talk out of both sides of their mouth through the whole summary. Oh, we're in prime position to, to, to be the best ones that look at that, but we don't even have a sensor that we can get a baseline reading from. Yeah, we got a space, we, we got a UFO czar, or excuse me, a UAP czar, but we're not going to tell you who that is because we're afraid of the repercussions. Never a straight answer. Always has been, always will be. That's my opinion of the whole thing. All right, let's bring in Sweet Robbie G, our brand new host on After Hours. And Rob, congratulations and welcome to the Spaced Out Radio family. We very much appreciate the great job you've done so far and the job that you are going to continue to do. I know you have been looking into the whole NASA thing and being the new guy here, I'm very curious your opinion on on what's gone on, what's transpired. I mean, the the $100,000 is not a lot of money to spend on this type of study. And, you know, I think it was just a cash grab by NASA for their friends in order to do this study, in order to make NASA look good in front of the public. And to me, it solved nothing. It, it was it was a waste of time. But that's my opinion. What's yours? Well, uh, thanks for asking me. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad to be a part of the squad here. So uh, appreciate you, uh, Big Dave Scott. Um, but let me let me just so if we look at how it's all set up, this whole panel, this whole thing to set up is, is designed to fail. So you have um, these NASA scientists that are looking at data that they're getting from Aero. They're not looking at their own data because if they did, they couldn't give the response that they gave as far as we can't find anything uh, extraterrestrial related because they have a obviously have a huge database of things that point exactly to that. So they're making their statements. It's word salad. They're just uh, taking the fact that they're getting data from Arrow, which we all know is, uncla- is uh, unclassified data, and it's it's actually open to the public, right? So they'll never get anything from that. They'll never get anything from the data if it's unclassified that Arrow's able to provide to them. So this goes nowhere, and that's my prediction on it. It's a little sad, Rob, when when you see such brilliant people, people who we have looked up to, even even Bill Nelson, the executive director, who's a former senator and a former astronaut, where to me, I think what he has done is conspired against his own astronauts and friends that he trained with and have had sightings. You know, and we don't even have to look far. Darcy Weir, movie producer out of Vancouver, British Columbia, has a two-part series that people can watch for free on Netflix or Hulu or or Amazon Prime and many others, Tubi TV, where he goes into NASA and what they know. Gemini had sightings. Mercury had sightings. Apollo had sightings. The shuttle program had sightings. It all adds up to a cover-up and this is all public it's all public domain 
what what uh, Darcy was able to dig up. It's not like he had to work hard. It's all public domain and out there. And it's absolutely ignored by those who are in the know. Wait, so I just want to add to that. So based on what you just said, which is all true, we know they have all this data. They know we know they have all this data, but they'll still sit up right in front of your face and tell you that they don't have anything. So it's, it's you know, they're, it's called blatant lying is what it is. And uh, I don't know what you could do to ever get them to not do that. What do I, we do? I don't know. Science Bomb, I want to bring you back in here on the discussion. After hearing what the panel has said, you know, I mean, Bill Nelson, you have worked with NASA. Bob, you have worked directly with them on black projects and other projects as well with your time, you know, that you spent in the CIA and the NRO. I mean, is Bill Nelson that much of a, a, a fool or is he that smart that he thinks that his words are actually going to pull the wool over people's eyes with this subject? I think he's uh, toeing the line. And he, he, you're seeing a guy that was in the United States Senate for decades. And so he probably knew something of the secrets, sat on the right committees, knew a few things. And he's just out there toeing the line, keeping the secret. And you and everybody else on this panel, everybody else going, what the actual heck is going on? Wants to know why the big secret. Why? Why? I, I would just be happy if I knew why the secret was being kept. I don't get it. Bob, in your career, have you ever discussed UFOs with astronauts or people at NASA? Yeah, I, I've known a few astronauts and talked to them, and every single one of them has seen something on orbit, but they're not allowed to say anything when they get back on the ground. And uh, a lot of the videos and other stuff are filtered through uh, uh, a dead-cut switch, uh, and all of that kind of information is monitored because NASA has to operate under the Space Act, which gives the Pentagon, et cetera, a final say on some of the things they can talk about. It's just bad. It, it is. It's ugly. And, you know, we, we switch over from NASA here as we move on to our next topic of the night, which is Mexico. And a topic that Tim Senor absolutely loves, which is the mummies. And you, the one thing about ufology, guys, and our audience listening that we are really, really good at, okay, is we are very good at moving the ball two steps forward and then getting clobbered 10 steps back. And then we have to rebuild again and again and again. Tim Senor, we're going to start with you on this one because Jaime Maussan uh, a journalist in Mexico who is thought of as the Walter Cronkite of Mexico journalism brings out these fake mummies, gets embarrassed, then hires a bunch of scientists who all of a sudden somehow can get these DNA traced within 48 hours, which I don't think is actually possible. We'll find that out from Dr. McGuire here momentarily. But Tim, to go from the NASA headlines to now we're talking about these NASCA mummies again, and Jaime Mosan may be uh, 
try to be extradited to Peru for stealing these mummies. What a mess was caused here. Yeah, it definitely was a massive distraction and kind of a bummer, you know, for the Mexican Congress hearing. That was definitely not something that we wanted to present if you're going to push this topic forward in a serious fashion. You know, um, Mexican uh, Congress had to go through what Mausan told them, um, you know, saying that he got results from the Autonomous National University of Mexico. And while there, they found eggs in one of the corpses. That doesn't help. Both bodies were found to have the metals cadmium and osmium, later being one of the rarest elements in the Earth's crust. You know, potentially that was added to the mix to just add authenticity. Now, who knows? Because there were portions of this that did show up to be a thousand years old. It's a very mixed bag of data. And so it's hard to wade through fact and fiction at this point. But I think if you're going to present mummies to Congress, you need to come with more than just trust me, buddy. These are mummies from a thousand years ago. I don't know. It was frustrating to read those headlines. Yeah, I can see where it's frustrating for you. And and uh, Rob G, we bring you in here from After Hours and, and just to get your thoughts. I mean, what a mess in Mexico. And now they're trying to bypass off this latest study. It's factual, showing that these are indeed aliens and not parts uh, put together from humans and, and llama heads and, and, you know, other foreign DNA. Right. Now, I'll give you my view on this because I I looked at it and I actually covered this uh, when it initially came out. And this is prior to the English translated uh, video, um, which now I've been able to see that. I I think um, I kind of jumped to conclusions initially. So obviously we know that these are the same alien bodies uh, from years back. That were presented. But what I did find out was during the hearing, what they were saying was that they had at at that point had these bodies tested, DNA tested. So the DNA test and all those things happened prior to the hearing and they were producing. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. And those results at the hearing. So that's what they were doing. Um, but in the way I'm looking at it is I always like to take a middle of the road approach. So it, and they were during the hearing saying, oh, we want people to test these. They were saying as well is that when we initially brought these out, we offered them up to be tested and no one showed up. 
And so now we want, we implore everyone to come and test these. And uh, just like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson actually chimed in recently and, and applauded them for taking that approach because he feels that that's the way it should be going forward. So if you find anything that you're considering to be an alien body, you're claiming for it to be it, be that, then put it up for all scientists to be able to access and examine. So I say likely this is obviously a hoax, but I would say the thought process is at least there to say, hey, test this, let the world test this and, and say what it is or what it isn't. So I would like for someone to go in there and test it and just finally confirm for once and for all that it isn't what it is and then use that model going forward as we come across uh, other, you know, bodies or whatever we may pull up. Rob, that sounds way too logical for the people we're dealing with. Way <laughs> too logical. Terry Hall, let's get your thoughts on Mexico, the aliens, and the trouble that Jaime Mosan is in. The mummies, to begin with, they've been around for a while. There's tons of opinions left and right about them. Yes, they're real. No, they're not. But up to the point to where people are even swearing that aliens don't lay eggs. So that's neither here nor there for me. What's here, what's, what's for me is they're taking people that have had credibility in this for a long time. And let's just say it for what it is. They made, they made Jaime Hassan look like carrot top, a comedian with props after all was said and done. And then, a radio show that he did a follow-up on, they weren't debating on whether it was real or not. They were debating on, or Jaime Masson was being basically read to riot act, being accused of being a thief, of stealing ancient artifacts from Peru. So for me, I'll just leave it laid right there. For me, it's they're pushing people forward and then bringing them back. Well, we're going to continue with the reputation of Jaime Mosan, the Mexican mummies, which are from Peru, and Ryan Graves when we return on Spaced Out Radio. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting next half hour on the Mighty SORs Roundtable. That was fast, that half hour, been? man. How have you and Lala been, Bob? Good. Awesome. How you been, Terry? Wunderbar, sir. Thank you. Tim, you feeling yeah, better? She's, she's staying all sorts of busy with her face painting and doing readings <laughs> and all of the stuff. So everything's good here. Starting to feel better, Tim? No, man. Um, I'm really fighting it. I haven't... Uh, really had time to rest so this one's definitely kind of taking me down it's like in my chest now mm-hmm. all like blowing my nose constantly i'm all sore and rough like from blowing my nose but hey you know what i was thinking here on the break do you remember how you learned how to make hands-free omelets on your way back from utah yeah do you want to share that story <laughs> oh boy hello are we in trouble no no <laughs> no it's yeah I don't know what do you think do you think it's viewer appropriate <laughs> oh man 
No, that's what I'm just... thinking. Like, hmm, hands-free omelets. <laughs> hands-free omelets. Yeah, no, because he got run off the road in our mobile lab. Was it in, by a, a truck? Yeah, it was by a semi-truck. Whoa. Yeah, and so literally, I don't know how something like that happens, but sure enough, all the milk, like a full gallon of milk and all the eggs in our fridge five, flew out. Five dozen eggs on the floor, man. Five dozen eggs. Two gallons mention. of milk, um, various sundries, a, a whole bunch of flour. Yeah, it was pancake mix and omelets all over the floor. That was, yeah. That's a cleanup. And, well, and the thing about it is, is this. You can't miss a 40-foot recreational vehicle. You just, yeah. I mean, it's not like you can't see me. There was, there was, there was something up with that trip the whole time. And that's, that's something else that's been bothering me, man. It's really been bothering me. Hitchhiker oh, effect. No, there it's not know. so much. It's not so much a hitchhiker effect, Tim, as outside influences that can affect things. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. Bob, I'm sure Bob knows. I mean, <sighs> yeah. Look, yeah. I, I, uh, I think we've all seen, you know, uh, vehicles, airborne craft flying over things that are that, that seem interesting, so they can be spied on. And yeah, if like I were to, if I were involved, and so like I'm working on passive radar to go <clears throat> to one of those places, and I'm sure you can guess which one. So uh, the the it's just I'm going to tell you if I were involved in this stuff, just as me, I'm not going anywhere that I don't have my sniper rifle ready to use. You know, Bob, there's <laughs> somebody right here in the chat right now that actually has a really good operational passive radar system that's in a case that's about that big. Here here's my unit right here. Oh, I gotta put it. it I gotta put it in the box and uh, put light bulbs and hook up antennas to it. That's Dude, it right that's there. exactly it. Well so check it out. Don't forget Bob. your pie. <laughs> yeah. No, it's got, pie. I don't need I don't need I want better than a pie. But anyway. Yeah. But we had run that the night before this happened to Terry, and we'd we'd gotten hits all night, and we were getting atomic clock readings and all kinds of stuff. It was going stupid all the muon, yeah, our muon detector muon, was going. That was the thing, Bob. The muon detector would go off, and then we'd sure enough, we knew we just had to look over and there and point. So, the muon detector was really handy in that ass and then with the atomic clock and then the other clock we had set up that was on uh camera all the time we got as far as chain of command goes on the stuff we've got it down path but what's got it figured out but what's the most accurate tim the dave detector the dave the dave detector tim has seen tim has seen it Live and in, and in twice now, dude. That's the Dave. You know, and Tim, of course. You guys both know that's the first thing we do once we get out in the field and we get all set up. We'll give Dave a call and say, "Okay, which way are we supposed to be looking?" 
Oh, and that's it for real. Bob, you should have seen Bob, too. Yeah, you should have seen Bob. Well, Bob knows. We're going to get into something with Bob here in a little bit. Thank you, Louie, Debster, Lala, W. Decker, Cat Chaser, and Pam H. Here comes the second half hour of the show, guys. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio's roundtable is underway. Oh, we're going to get still into Mexico here momentarily. But first, we want to say hello to all of you tuning us on in wherever you are on this beautiful planet on Earth. Reminder to all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. We are on every major podcast network, including Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and be like Science Bob and join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Here we go. The Roundtable, taking a look at the month that was. We are still talking about Mexico. And Jaime Mosan, the investigative journalist who put together this conference that is being called A Real Black Eye to Ufology. Now, the Nazca mummies that were used, they were somehow smuggled into Mexico. They are not supposed to be removed from Peru. And there is a lot of people in Peru, in their government and and their police forces who are very upset about this, Tim. And they want their mummies back. And and in fact, they want to go as far as trying to extradite Jaime Mosan to Peru to see how he actually got the mummies into Mexico, whether it was him or someone else. I mean, this is big news, man, because Peru is very, very protective of the areas where the Nazca lines are. What do you know about this, Tim? Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Well, I know that it's absolutely the last thing that he wants to talk about when it comes to the mummy topic. But I think that it's fair to say that, um, you know, the Mexican mummy bandit will continue to remain silent on this aspect of the topic. Um, But, you know, his claims stand firm just that this is not a human being, you know. Um, He had Dr. Bennett's of the Scientific Institute of Health come out after the x-rays and 3D reconstruction had been done 
They had the DNA analysis done. And then he came out and had his own quote saying that I can affirm that these bodies have no relation to human beings. I mean, that's great, but it's still not a definitive analysis. If you've done the DNA analysis, tell us more. Um, you know, the past claims that Mausan has made has always ended up being something corrupt. So it's really hard to validate anything with someone that has such a bad spreadsheet of past, let's just call it what it is, crimes. It is interesting because, you know, we don't know, once again, if Mausan brought them in or somebody else smuggled them in. We don't know as of right now. Okay, I don't think if if he has journalistic credibility, uh, credibility still, I don't think he would have done it personally. But he obviously was in the know for those who did. Science Bob, let, let's bring you in here. You've traveled all over the world. I mean, these Nazca lines and the mummies and everything around those areas, those are precious artifacts to Peru. And this doesn't look good for them all of a sudden being presented to the Mexican government. The thing that's so rough about this particular one is you can't get a straight story from any direction about this. That's number one. And number two, Linda Thompson has done a ton of research on all the backstory, and she's got receipts and other stuff that shows that Gaia's been involved with those things since like the earliest days. So I don't know whether they transported them out of Peru or not, but I know they have involvement. And so it's just, it's just, the, the bad thing is credible people, people who were sitting in the silos of our nuclear missiles when a flying saucer went over or a great big giant orb, whatever, and uh, Ryan Graves, et cetera, et cetera, they went down there to testify in front of the Mexican Congress hoping to have something positive happen. And the only damn story we hear about is those stupid crooked mummies. I mean, I it's just, how can you stop shooting yourself in the foot? And Jaime Masson, he needs to retire. Yeah, I would agree with all that. So from Jaime Masson, sweet Robbie G, to Ryan Graves, the former United States fighter pilot who never saw a UFO with his eyes, but allegedly saw one on radar, which was a sphere inside a cube with many of his fellow pilots in the skies over the eastern United States. He has been staunch on the political front in trying to be, bring safe air spaces to the United States because apparently these UAPs are all over the place and it's going to cause a lot of accidents. And, and, you know, he's trying for a lot of that government money right now. Well, he testified in Mexico regarding this exact situation and because of the mummies had a little bit of egg on his face. Well, for going down there without doing the research of who was actually involved or what the conference was all about. What do you think of Ryan Graves' uh, going down to Mexico, number one, but number two, the hit that it took to his reputation? Well, you can't, I don't think you can blame him for going down or going down to the conference. I would hope that. Uh, all, you know, anyone who has information or uh, value to add to the conversation would appear at a conference. So regardless on where it's at now, should he have vetted it probably a little bit more? I would say yes. At Bambi asked more questions. Um, you know, it's clear that he didn't anticipate 
this happening while he was there, as he showed in the uh, Twitter post that he had done afterwards. But um, yeah, I don't really see, I don't see it as a bad thing that he actually took the time to go down there. I think it should be more of that, uh, you know, regardless on where the conference is next time or ne- the next hearing, if it's France or some other country. Um, I think that w- the people should attend those. You know, we need all our power players or anybody who can add to the conversation to show up at these uh, events. I, I think that's a that's a great statement that you just made. I don't blame him for going. I blame him for part, not checking out who he participated with. And Tim, you and I had this conversation a little bit ago about this, and I think Science Bob, you and I did off the off the air as well. Here's my problem, and I'm I'm curious to get your opinion. Ryan Graves, who is, uh, you know, you have to be a smart smart person to be a fighter pilot. Okay, they don't take dummies like me and put them in a $80 million aircraft and say, go fly it. Okay, they take the best of the best of the best out of every 500 people who apply for to be a fighter pilot in the United States Air Force. Only the top two of those 500 actually make it. That's how stringent this this process is. Okay, and that I know for a fact, because I actually, when I couldn't get into the Canadian Armed Forces back in the early 90s, I actually drove to Bellingham, Washington, and was told by the United States Air Force recruiting officer there saying, hey, you're Canadian, I'll take you, but I can tell you right now, you'll never fly an American fighter, right? And that that kind of stung a little bit, but neither here nor there. The point is, he's a brilliant guy. But one of the things, and Bob, I want to start with you on this, is we are seeing a lot of these new people come into ufology over the last few years. And they act like they are God's given right to ufology. They know everything about everything. They don't associate with people who've been doing this for the last 10 to 50 years. They ignore everybody in ufology because they know better. And I think Ryan Graves falls into that category. Unfortunately, we've seen it with other fighter pilots like David Fravor. And uh, you know, I wouldn't say as much Alex Dietrich. She has gone on to accept a lot of people in ufology. I think she's one of the, the rare ones, but we see a lot of these scientists and, and former military personnel, Bob, really, really shy away from the people who have been involved in ufology for a long time and kind of like, yeah, you, you stay over there. You're with the wing nuts. You're with the tinfoil over there. I'm here with the nuts and bolts and, and I'm going to get things done and you can't tell me what to do because there are dozens of people in ufology, trying to get a hold of Ryan Graves saying, don't go to Mexico. If Musan is, is doing this, you don't want to be involved with it. You don't want your name there. And then Ryan had to backtrack, put his tail between his legs, and write a Twitter apology for actually not doing his homework. Your thoughts on this part of this new ufology, Bob, that doesn't want to pay attention to the people who've actually done boots-on-the-ground research, whether it's people like Grant Cameron and Richard Dolan, whether it's MUFON or New Fork or groups like that that have studied this for decades. Yeah, it's just I don't know what it is about people that are you know, younger than 30 
don't want to listen to people who are over 40 who've been doing this stuff like forever. It just kind of, I don't get it at all. I mean, I want, I, when I first started checking into this and I wasn't a spring chicken, but I knew to go and talk to the people who were subject matter experts. And you definitely don't part of what we're seeing with the air force and the Navy pilots and other scientists is they see this kind of crap going on and they don't want to be associated with it. And so they, they, they flush the entire field of people down the toilet, no matter how much they know, because they're afraid of being tarred and feathered with the same brush that goes on the front page of a tabloid. So it's just uh, the community has no governance. It has no standards. It has no standards body. It's not ever going to have a standards body as a community. So we'll just have to learn to live with this crap because we don't have a choice. And and I understand that, but Bob, I understand where scientists and maybe the, the military people like Ryan Graves are very wary about ufology, you know, and, and it's easy to wrap everybody into one category, especially when you see the bickering, the infighting, the throwing under the table and under the bus on, on Twitter on, or pardon me, X on a daily basis. It's an ugly field. And, and this is why we actually don't, do a lot of work on on twitter is because we're trying to as a show stay away from that that kind of crap that's out there but i mean on the flip side why is there this fear in your mind when you've talked to a lot of scientists and a lot of people behind the scenes why is there this fear about learning about ufology from those who have been there the credible people who have been doing this for a long time their peers in their fields in which they are subject matter experts will not have spent any time whatsoever figuring out that they're talking to the only credible people in the entire field. And so they will laugh at them, put them down, etc. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. And it might threaten their funding, their lab status, the status of their graduate students and their own status inside that small community they live in because the people will not know that Richard Dolan and Grant Cameron have done research forever and know what they're talking about. They will just say, oh, that's some of those UFO wing nuts and you need to stay away from them and you didn't, so now we're going to fix you. And look, and then you've got these people inside of Twitter that doxing and trashing and doing everything. And you, you even do stuff like you fool. 
like who who's the who's the interviewer of the month? Jesse Michaels. And what has he done? He's in he has interviewed the greatest quantum genius ever, and you and I both know better. I mean, even those people who, even though he is the t- sits on top of Peter Thiel's venture fund, can't go and bother to do enough research to realize that somebody who says they're a quantum genius needs to have actual receipts to prove it. I mean, just we the whole field is just a mess, Dave. Let's get Terry Hall in here. Terry, your your thoughts on what Bob was just saying and, and the overall thoughts that there is this giant group in ufology that absolutely wants nothing to do with ufology because they know better. They worked in the military or they, their scientific prowess and degrees don't allow them to actually do the research and find out who's been working on this for decades. Well, they sure don't have a problem chasing around cameras and net contracts and guys with big pocketbooks that's willing to pay them guest speaker fees but they sure do have a problem when it comes down to talking to people like Bob who really know what they're talking about that's what the whole problem is give them a red carpet and a platform they'll be you know the first guy there try to get them onto an informative show where they can actually speak and get their point across as long as if there's not a camera or a, or a speaker's fee or a hefty paycheck involved seems to me like they're not in they, or, or it doesn't have some sort of back end off of it. Then they're not interested. Try to get Chris Mellon to come on spaced out radio. Say for instance, it's not that the platform's not worth coming on to, but it doesn't have a fat paycheck attached to it. Lou Elizondo, he came out and by the time he was all said and done, he said he wanted to tear ufology apart. So those kind of people, the Ryan Graves, like I said, he's really good at chasing the camera around. He's not really good at spreading information around. Well, and I don't know if I blame Ryan Graves for it overall, you know, because I don't know. We don't know who his insiders are. We don't know who is has been talking to him behind the scenes to stay away from ufology or if this is a personal connection. Tim, what do you think of the Ryan Graves situation? Well, um, you know, I think it was probably very frustrating for him. Now, I know he probably had information that Mausan was there. I don't think he probably knew that, um, you know, the mummies were going to be there as well. Um, you know, he retracted a lot of the stuff that uh, Mausan had said. You know, we can go into the quote that he had, but it was really more just about that um, he didn't. He was there to share his experience and the UAP reports that he was aware of over there, and he was trying to further the whole language that UAPs needed to be addressed in a serious fashion. And I think that he was frustrated because Malsan's revelation with the mummies was undermining what he was trying to bring to the table. But um, what you were just also talking about there, I feel like historians and researchers typically um, are lacking the true understanding it takes by being what's considered a field expert right? Getting out into the field itself and understanding how sometimes the physics don't necessarily pan out when it comes to how UAP demonstrates. 
And Bob, I, I would kick this back to you because you can probably have a better way of putting this into words because UAP, I, I mean, true UAP doesn't typically move the way anything else moves. And so for a physicist to try and wrap their head around something that's a little bit out of the box might be a little harder to understand, let's say. And so these are the wrong people to put on the table when it comes to researching this. You need more field investigators to go out and do some real research firsthand. Is that kind of what you're feeling as well? Or please don't let me put words in your mouth. Yeah, well, look, if if we want to gather data that convinces lots of people, you need subject matter experts who are capable of putting together systems and, and commanding systems to be used that actually can produce this credible data. Uh, people like me, I don't believe we're ever going to get anything from any of these uh, high-value systems. So what we need to do is find out a way to take systems that are affordable by everyday people and make them easy for them to run so they can gather data that other people can trust and will use. So, uh, you know, we've got Sky360 and others that are trying to do this. MUFON with this MADAR and those and you with your MUON detector. You know, there, there are ways to do this so that we don't look like idiots and we're just not bothering to do it. Uh, but there, and the reason is there's no coordinating group or people, set of people that can help us keep it straight because no, it's, we've been driven into the crazy camp by the secret keepers. We're all put into the same bad bunch. And uh, their disinformation campaign has worked. I agree with, I agree with Bob. I had to jump in on that because um, I think what has happened and what we have seen happen over the last few years is they have taken the power away from uh, just the normal person, the experiencer and have made uh have drawn a line to say that only data that's relevant has to come from a pilot or a, or or through some sort of system, and that has to be the standard. And and scientifically, maybe that's good for uh, you know parsing the data, but uh, it takes it it, it kind of makes it to where the subject matter experts no longer hold any value in the conversation anymore. And it's actually exactly the way that they are designing this to, to play out. And that could be that. That's a good point, too. I mean, I think that let's get this right back to where we were. The troublesome part that not only like and this isn't a slight against Ryan Graves. We're using him as an example. But over the last few years, we've seen many people try and poo poo ufology that they want this study, but they the, the, the ufologists and the experiencers and those who've seen strange lights in the sky, they need to stay over on the left, like stay way over on the left, not a few feet, maybe 100, 200 yards so you can't hear or see what we're doing. Rich Hoffman has talked about that on this show, a, a, a scientist who has government contracts with the United States Army. He's part of the SCU. He's part of Enigma Labs as a as an advisor. He's been on UAPX for a number of years. Okay, we see these people who absolutely despise anyone who has had an experience 
or has been researching this subject for the last few decades. And I think that this category of people, and any of you can chime in on this, this category of people who are trying to to dissuade others for being a part of ufology, they don't want talk shows like this. They don't want podcasts. They don't want YouTube channels. They want everybody to go away so they can study this in silence and they can take the credit for everything that everybody else has done over the years. Now, there are scientists out there like uh, Dr. Richard Nolan, from Stanford University, who have come Gary. out public, or Gary Nolan, Gary Nolan, pardon me, why did I say Richard? Uh, but Gary Nolan, who have come out and said, look, uh, the science community has to give credit where credit is due. We don't have any leads if people don't come forward with the experience, with their sightings, with their videotapes, or their phone videos, or whatever. So, Bob, I mean, I, I hate to lean on you with this with a minute to go, and we could carry it over to the next half hour, but it really seems like there is a conundrum being built here on what is right and what is wrong. Yeah, look, I don't know how to solve this, Dave. We don't have standards bodies or the committee that can say this is goofy or this isn't. We just, it doesn't exist. We have been successfully trapped in the box with all the goofballs who are liars and cheats and trying to make money by the, by the people who want the secrets kept. We've been trapped. We have to admit that they've succeeded. We do. And the question yeah. is, where does that lead to disclosure? Where does that lead to anything? It doesn't lead to disclosure. What it leads to is confirmation. A phenomena is out there. And that's all they want to give up. Hey, guys, when we return for hour number two of Spaced Out Radio, we're going to shake things up a little bit because we are entering the month of Halloween. And each and every one of you has a great story to tell. And Science Bob, I know you're going to love this topic. Right after that, remote viewing. Can you remote view if you've never done it before? We will get more into this on Spaced Out Radio when we return. Stay tuned. You know, Bob, whether you realized it or not, you hit the nail on the head like you always do, man. <coughs> I've been Yeah. I've been preaching I've been preaching the whole time that Uncle Sam isn't going to tell us nothing. The only way that we're going to move the football forward is if we do it ourselves. Yep, that's absolutely true. And I, I, I gave up on having Uncle, Uncle Sam uh, tell us anything when me saying, when, when me saying I saw, I was on Navy ships and saw UFOs, got my security clearance taken away. Amen to that. And you they'll know, do any, they'll just, do anything to keep this secret. And I and then, want to know why. Well, see, that's the thing, Bob. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. But they just had that story release. Uh, 30 whistleblowers have been in front of Congress. So why are they having the, why are they having the whistleblowers come forward now 
instead of going back to people like you who have had long and illustrious career have been have have been shared speech secrets that you'll go to your grave with but they're still being spiteful enough to keep you from being able to work by taking your your clearances away from you that just makes absolutely there, no this, sense. This, this is why i want to know why the secret has to be kept and i got to tell you I kept poo-pooing it and poo-pooing it until I began to hear it from every direction. The people inside the Pentagon who are hyper-religious Christians think the things in these craft are demons. And I didn't want to believe that could still rule the day, and it does. I've I've heard basically the, the same thing, the same thing. And I didn't want to tell Dave and break his heart, but they wouldn't believe the kind of idiots they put in these planes. I've got two two backseaters helmets right there. There was two members of my family that were pilots for the United States, and neither one of them were exactly, uh, well, they were fine, upstanding people, but they they weren't somebody that I would trust to drive a nail with a hammer. <laughs> or draw, or, or draw a straight line with the ruler. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but now, yes. I mean, the other thing that's been bothering me, Bob, is, is say, these Border Patrol tapes that oh, they those, show us. Those, those are, I cannot and, believe these the CDP put that stuff out. Well, and well, not only that, though, Bob, the, the Tic Tac videos and everything else, right? You and I both know that they have much better technology out there. And, uh, technology that us, the public, can get our hands on. Psionics cameras are one. You've got the latest yep. and greatest. Why can we, and I've sent you some videos of things that we've captured, unbelievable things that we've captured. Why can we get them? I mean, why is there a guy in New Mexico who has barns full of records, David Marler, and yet the government has none? I why mean, can he, we? He, he, why can just, we? He has, why, he has the greatest collection of triangle UFO data that's ever been collected. He's got the handwritten notes from Project Blue Book, for goodness sakes. Yep. The handwritten notes from Blue Book, yep. of all things. That oh, it just blows me away. But why why on earth can we get that kind of stuff and they can't? Why can we build things like the Skycam or or uh, the one from uh, the Madar or Muon detectors or what? or UFO or UFO DAP? But then NASA turns around after they built their version of what we've built that costs them a whole heck of a lot more money than it cost us and yet they they say that they don't even have a they don't have a sensor that they can get a baseline reading with well of course now look you you gotta the people that are on the science panel they have a collection of criteria which every single little piece of data 
must meet. It must have handling. It must have storage. It must have tamper proof. It must have uh, checksums that make sure it's never been touched. And it's just the set of stuff they require cost millions of dollars to add. To build an to build a terrestrial truck that basically runs around and checks out hotspots. Yeah, we did. We built the same thing for under thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, I, I get every bit of that, but I'm telling you, what they want for data costs them millions of dollars to get. And before they, they will get, use the data as science, as science. And I guarantee you, we could we could provide them with better data than they've got right now, and it didn't cost us a tenth of that. Well, what what you and I and everybody on this panel, I'm, I'm a scientist, but what you and I and everybody on this panel and almost everybody in the audience cares about is uh, convincing the jury of our peers beyond a reasonable doubt. The people so gathering- who are scientists are way beyond wanting reasonable doubt. They want ironclad proof with repeatability. Ten seconds, guys. Big thank you to Louie times two, Mennonite Abe, Debster, Lala, W. Decker, Cat Chaser, and Pam H. And the SOR Space Travelers Club. Join it for at least five bucks a month. Here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Taphophobia. Taphophobia is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us in the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Here we go. Second hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Our great panel of Science Bob, Tim Senor from the UFO Report. From After Hours, we have Rob G. and Insider Terry Hall with us. And gentlemen, we're going to kick this off. Uh, I'm going to get personal here with you guys for a second. And Rob G., we're going to start with you here. All right, because you're the most stoic looking of us all. You know, we're all trying to have a good time, and there you are looking very, very dapper in, in your ways. Everybody has a paranormal story. And considering it's Halloween, what's what's Rob G's scariest story that he's experienced or, or heard from a friend? Experienced or heard from a friend? Well, I can just lean on to one of my own uh, experiences. I actually had, um, was coming back home from Las Vegas and had uh, two, two of my kids were here, teenagers. Uh, one of them was asleep. The other one was on the phone and we were coming in or on FaceTime. Rather, we were coming in. It was after midnight, closer to one in the morning. And 
Um, we came in, I came into the studio, kind of, you know, where my man cave studio and uh, was hanging out for a minute. And my daughter, who was on FaceTime, uh, she had to take a go to the restroom. So she put her phone down, had her friend waiting until she came back. And while she was in the bathroom, her friend hit the capture button on the FaceTime and told her, sent her the image afterwards and said, somebody's in your house. And so she looks at it and there is a clear as day picture. No one else is up. So this is, could not be belong to anyone else. There's clear as day, a picture of a shadow person in the living room. There's the, there was an overhead light in the hallway and uh, there was no other light source to cast a shadow and the shadow doesn't belong to anyone that lives in this house. So um, I had to kind of probe her a little bit to make sure. I'm like, are you sure about this? this wasn't a hoax? Are you sure your friend is up? And she was like, really like, no. I she just sent me this picture now. And then so she was like, and I was like, that's the shadow person. And she didn't have it. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Any idea of what that was? And I didn't really want to scare her, but I told her, I said, you should look into that. And, uh, you know, because they can, it can mean different things. And so she stayed up all night. And when I saw her the next morning uh, and I asked her about it again, once she had read up on what these things actually are, she was just scared to death. But that happened. And I have a picture of it uh, that I've shown before. So pretty crazy. That's That's about the actual scariest thing that had proof behind it oh my goodness my goodness how about you science bob so i have two stories i've told them before i don't mind telling them so i went on a ghost hunt in bedford virginia at a historic home that has been around since before the civil war but uh well before and uh went in with a group and we were up in a room listening for electronic voice phenomenon tapping on the walls or whatever. And there were two groups touring the place. And we heard a bunch of people out in the hall walking around and talking. And while we were in the room trying to be quiet and get something on our recorder, and so we were grumpy. So that was the end of the evening. So we went downstairs and complained to the other group who were in the kitchen eating pizza about the noise they were making upstairs. And they went, we weren't upstairs. We were down here. So the group of ghosts were running around outside our door and talking while they were downstairs and we were listening. So that was kind of a, an interesting experience. And then uh, I'll tell the story about me moving into this house. So we moved into this house and uh, we began to almost immediately to have poltergeist activity. Things falling off, things getting moved, knockings on the walls, tapping of threes. 
shadow shadows here, there, and yon. So I put up security cameras. And we put up a security camera. One of them was in the front hall looking at the door. One was outside the door looking at the front door. So it's the middle of the night, and something walks by and clicks on the light in the hall. And the camera goes from black and white night mode to color. And I see something on the video that's walking in front of the camera. And as clear as day, I hear the voice of Lala's deceased boyfriend saying hello to his son. And so, uh, and they identified it as his voice and he's been dead for three years. So it's just, you know, you, you have these experiences and what you do is you go as a scientist, whatever, I don't reject data. I know that this can't be explained by anything prosaic. So now I have all the proof I need that whatever this paranormal stuff, at least some of it's real. Wow. How about you, Terry? I've got two as well. One, the top three people in our panel know about it because I sent all three of you guys a picture. Tim, Rob, and Dave. My dog passed away two weeks ago. My wife sends me a selfie Three or four days ago, her face, my dog, is right here in the picture. And my dog is in the ground outside of my office window. Right here in the picture is my dog, bald in the mouth, whole nine yards, in the picture with my wife. Now, number two, we were in the Uwena Basin at a particularly famous property. Tim and myself. Speaking of shadow people, Rob. Uh, we come on the way back, on the way out to where we were going, I started feeling very ill. Something was just not right. It wasn't car sickness, anything like that. Imagine being car sick times about 10. That's what I felt like. Body, whole body's wet, clothes are wet, sweat, just bleh. Got back to town. Our hotel was right across the street from where the car stopped i stumble across the road fall down in a hotel room literally open the door fall on the floor shirts off uh tim goes into where we were and the people there asked him where i was and tim told them well he just wasn't feeling well and they all pressured him basically put a sense of urgency in tim and said go get him we need him over here right now so Tim comes over to the to the hotel, knocks on my door. For some unknown reason, don't know why. Uh, just I, I still I, neither one of us know. Tim's got his camera running when I answer the door. Tim goes, "Who's in there with you?" I I swear to you guys, I was in the room by myself. On the video that Tim took, there is a shadow person that walks in front of the window. Mm. Well, that's only one part of it. When I was a young man, I come from a military family. Long story short, we were being stupid in the garage one day. I ended up with a bullet. It got me in the, in the collarbone on this side. And eventually, over the years, it settled down into my chest. Well, while we're in there, Tim goes, hey, you know that bullet you're always talking about? Let me see it because I can manipulate it and it'll, I can show where it was. Well, I go looking for it. 
son of a gun, it's just not there. It's just gone, right? Well, as it turned out, it had moved in my, that day, had moved in my chest from one side of my chest to the other side of my chest. It's still sitting right here. About, oh, seven inches or so. No swelling, no edema, no breathing. Didn't know it happened. Didn't know why it happened. Three weeks later, I'm on the ranch here, leaning over the fence, petting my horse's ear. I break this rib. If that bullet would have still been lying where it had sat for years and years and years, they would have had to split my chest open to get it out. And I would have missed the research trip that Tim and I took that we got some of the most incredible evidence I've ever seen on. So... Was it the shadow people that were saving me that day, or was it the shadow people, or, or was it some other thing they can see so far flung out into the future that they knew something like that was going to happen, and they moved that bullet to, or like another friend of ours said, did I step through, a, okay, when you're standing in the mirror, he said, Terry, if you're standing in the mirror, what side of, the, of your chest would a bullet have been on? And that's when my heart sunk, because... Then it got me thinking about parallel universes. Did I step through something where we were at and come out the other side? But the long and short of the story is there was a shadow person in a room that day. It was documented. And that bullet, I have x-rays that prove it was on one side of my chest. And I can show you, I can show you on camera right now that it's completely on the other side of my chest. That is weird. So yep. weird. There's the woo train for you, fellas. The actual real woo train. Yep. All right, little Timmy Senor. How about yeah. you, my man? I don't want to see the bullet. Please, Teeb, keep your shirt on. <laughs> no, I can't no, see keep it again. Keep your clothes on. Um, so I have a story from about 10 years ago. I used to live uh, in Hawaii, in Kona on the island of Hawaii. And um, we were driving on the Mamalahoa Highway. And that's on, and we were driving on the west side. So it's basically a highway that goes all around the outskirts of the island. And so we were driving south on the west side of the island. And um, we're driving along the highway there. And I'm driving, and my wife has her iPad up on the window and she's just taking pictures of the coast and there's like this rocky shoreline and then there's this big like no-go zone where it's a Hawaiian burial site and she was like taking pictures there and we get back home and she's clicking through the photographs and in one of the photos there are two really bizarre looking um, figures that aren't in any other frames but in one and there's, uh, in Hawaiian mythology, there's something called the Night Marchers. Uh, in Hawaiian, it's Huaka Ipo. And uh, they're basically spirits that are supposedly the deadly ghosts of ancient tribal Hawaiian warriors. And the Night Marchers are the vanguard for the sacred chief and chief S's. And it was really strange because we figured that these images came right from an old Hawaiian burial area where there's, you're not allowed to walk or even pull over or any ocean access or anything, even on the beach. 
And so it was just a very bizarre photograph. We showed it to our friends at the time and they're all just like, it was so hard to make out the figures, except they were all white. It looked like almost you could see a face and then a headband of, of white. And then it was just without any faces. And so we thought maybe they were people that didn't know any better or were walking out there because it was that good of a figure for these two people that it looked like. But they had no faces, you know, and we were like, could it be blurry? It was shot through the window of the car. We didn't even have the window down. So there were a lot of what ifs, but it was one of those moments where you get a photograph home and you're like, could this be what, you know, everyone talks about when they say the night marchers that live in that area, kind of creepy, but that's, that's my story for you. I'm going to tell you one here of, of that kicked things off for me. The first ghost I ever saw, it was in. Well, not the first one, but this one was creepy. I lived in a duplex with my ex-wife and our daughters, and on the other side, our friends lived on the other side. Their place, nothing ever happened. My place, completely haunted. Completely. (laughs) There would be knocking on the walls, and I'd run over to my buddy's house uh, on the other side. Hey, you need me? You knocked on the wall? No, we didn't knock on the walls. Well, you just did, right? There would be orbs flying around on the floor. I would watch my cats patting around stuff that wasn't there. Where it really got freaky was one night I came home from the radio station. I was uh, working late night. I go downstairs or I I open up my door and I, I crawl out on the couch after work. And it's about 1230, one o'clock in the morning. And... My daughter, who was two at the time, or two or three at the time, she came sleepwalking downstairs and laid on my chest. And her and I must have fell asleep while I was watching the sports highlights to make sure I didn't miss anything that night. At about four o'clock in the morning, my buddy's dog, he had one of these dogs where if there was a crosswind, that was 35 minutes of barking. Okay, and his dog at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning would continually bark, 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 bark. And it drove me nuts. Well, considering I'd worked the night shift, but just got into that deep sleep and this dog starts barking and I'm on the couch. I wake up. I'm facing the back of the couch with my daughter using my arm as a pillow. And I'm like, okay, I got to take my arm, roll over, take my arm out, going to go to the window and tell the dog to shut up. And as I rolled over to kind of start pulling my arm away from my daughter's head, I turn and I'm facing now my television. But about a foot and a half, two feet away from me, there is a little girl standing right in front of me full-body apparition. She's about two, three years old, wearing a white nightie. She had very curly hair down to her shoulders, pudgy child cheeks, and dark eyes. And she is staring at me. Just staring at me. So I did what any man would do. I screamed. I screamed, (laughs) and and I pulled the blankets over my head, and I started hyperventilating. Okay, started hyperventilating, and I'm like, 
oh my God, did I just see what I saw? Was this my daughter? No, my daughter's on my arm. How the hell do I get to the upstairs? Hell with the dog now. Okay, hell with the dog barking. I got to get to my bedroom. And one thing that I remember is I could see right through her. And this ages myself here because on my VCR, not DVD player, VCR, the time was 4.02 a.m. And so I took a deep breath, figured I got to be the man here. I got to be the dad. I got my daughter on my arm. Okay, I got to get upstairs. And I roll over and she's gone. So freaked out, I pick up my daughter, grab her, into, carry her upstairs, slam my bedroom window, bedroom door. Uh, the ex-wife wakes up, are you okay? No, I just saw something really weird. And, you know, plopped the child on my bed, fell asleep until the morning. Well, I tell my ex-wife what happened. She's like, she's like, wow, this is incredible. Five days later, I'm at my buddy's house. Because we had a we had a once a month thing where we would play uh, uh, on uh, on uh, uh, Nintendo. We'd play college football once a month, and it would go until we get tired. And so I'm at his place out of town, and then I drive home. My ex wife wakes up, and she says to me, "You're not going to believe what happened." I said, "What?" She goes, "I was woken up an hour ago." by what I thought was the cats running across our the keys of our piano. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, <clears throat> she goes, so we had a two-tiered stairway. So you'd go down like five stairs, and then there was a platform, and then you'd go down the other 12 stairs or 14 stairs to get to the first floor. So she goes, I went to the fir- to the down the first set of stairs. I turned the lights on so I could tell the cats to shut up. And there's this little girl in a nighty playing the Oof. piano keys. Oof. Nope. And she nope. and nope. then nope. and then right out of a horror movie, the young girl turns and looks up the stairs at my wife. And she said, I ran back to the bedroom, closed the door, and that was it. And, and started so was, packing the bag. Well, yeah. well, here, here's the funny story. More stuff went on. <laughs> so, you know, we, we used to do a thing where we would, right before bed, we'd have cleanup time. So that way my daughter's room was nice and clean. Well, all of a sudden... We'd wake up in the morning and my daughter's room would be a disaster. Like she woke up at like six o'clock in the morning and just absolutely tore apart all their toys and everything like that. And my daughter would be like, daddy, it isn't me. Daddy, it's not me. Okay. So the night we moved out of that place or the day we moved out of that place, we had to go back and, you know, you, you clean it up. You, you wipe down the counters and everything. We, we go upstairs and we are wiping off uh, one of the closets, okay, wiping down the shelves on the closet. And from a storage room to our left, which is about five feet away, we both hear clear as day, Mommy, from behind the door. My ex-wife looks at me, and, and she goes, 
I'm out of here. This is it. I'm done. I am done. And so we both literally ran out of the place, locked it up, left all our cleaning supplies there, and that was it. We were done. Done as dinner in that place. And you know what? When you still drive by that place, you could still, it feels like you could still see the little girl in my daughter's bedroom window upstairs. Scares the daylights out of me. I don't know what happened there. I don't know what went on. I do know that all of our teaspoons went missing. All of our drinking glasses, except two, went missing. Where did they vanish to? I have no idea, because all I know is that when we moved out, we had extra cutlery, and we had brand new drinking glasses. And on that note, when we return on Spaced Out Radio... We are going to get into remote viewing. I know Bob likes this topic. This comes on the heels of a great interview we did with former U.S. Army Major and member of Project Stargate, Paul H. Smith. One of the best interviews we'd ever had on Spaced Out Radio's nearly nine-year history. Remote viewing next on the Mighty SOR. Do you believe in it? Can you do it? We'll find out right after this. The answer is yes. Uh, Dave well, Bob just ruined the next. Oh. Bob just ruined the next segment. He gave us the answer. Yes. All right. Now I got to come up with something else. Was the uh, were you seeing? Were you said dark eyes? So were you talking about like the black eyed children sort of it, thing? It, you know, now looking at it, I, it looked like a black eyed ch- children's kind of thing. Yeah. Dave, let me. Uh, Dave, share this picture for one second. Lala and I took that picture on our back deck. She says that thing is six feet in front of us. And if you can't see the gray with two black eyes, et cetera, look closer. Oh, yeah. I can see it. Yep. Wow. I thought I'd, since since this is not a video show, I, I didn't do it, but I mean, this is the. This is the event that changed our lives. That's wow. Hey, uh, Bob, I had a quick question um, for you, actually, because I know you've got some insight. Um, Do you have any knowledge about maybe some of the videos that are classified that the public may not know about that are considered some of these near misses that they're talking about that the Navy and Air Force have had? Yeah, I never had any of my possession, but I have seen them. Can you um, describe any of them? I know you even had one in a submarine that was like a near miss. Um, is there anything that you can talk about that um, wouldn't give away ways and means or anything that you, you know? No, so that's, just, I, I, I heard a USO. Yeah, I see it. That's my dog, Bob. Yep. Right there. Uh, yep, I see I heard I heard a USO in a submarine along with the whole crew, and I saw a craft that was large. Oh, there's a shadow person. This is my shadow person. This is the wow. one that was caught on film. Dave, show Dave, show your son the Look, this is uh, look. I got the closer version. That is purely clearly defined head, shoulders, legs. Look at oh, where well, the wait, shadow. Wait till Dave shows a picture of his son in, that the, is, in the horse barn. 
That is a full body, for sure, full body apparition. That's, oh, that's a full yeah. body that's shadow. Incredible. That's wild. Yeah. And Dave, Dave's son, Dave's son was caught in a picture with a shadow person standing behind him with his hands on his shoulders. Oh, the fun, the fun, the funny part about that one is everybody's saying it's light refraction from the Bull sun coming crap. in. There is no sun coming in. But Dave, there's a history to that location. It's yeah. a haunted location. Yeah. So I mean, zoom. That's that is a haunted Hold location right try, there. I gotta try and. How can I zoom this in from Instagram? Just click on the picture. Where do I go? That's here? so cool. Oh, but look, I mean, you, to the right of him. To the right of him, you can see the shadow. Just over his shoulder, yeah. Just over his shoulder, you can see the shadow. It's weird, wild stuff. Okay, right-click, yeah. right-click, save the picture, and then click on the picture oh, in the I, file. You, you know what? Hold on. I have this on Facebook. Hold on. Woohoo. No. Uh, gentlemen, I have a daughter emergency. I am going to have to depart. Okay, All right, buddy. Oh, we're going to miss you, buddy. Good luck, Good luck, Terry. Talk to you in a bit, uh, T. Take care of it. All right, buddy. It's raining, and my daughter's got a flat tire. So, uh, ciao for now, fellas. All right. Yeah. See ya. All right. So, there. Uh, share this tab here. There. There you go. Now you can see the shadow person just to his right. And that is not something from the outside because the shadow is in the wrong place Here, to be a thing from the outside. Here's the other thing. You can actually see yeah. the shadow go across my son's back and down to his butt. And you can see the left shoulder behind your son. Yeah. Its left shoulder is behind your son's neck. Yeah. Let me... Hey, Dave. Are you able to say what's right by that or no? Uh, that's yeah. There, there's a jail. Uh, that's the the shitty jail cell that they put in, uh, right there. Yep. Crazy. Some somebody probably didn't end well in there. Oh, there's a lot of spirit activity there, my man. A lot of spirit activity. We've got uh, 30 seconds here. Big thank you to Kira, W. Decker times two, Gizmo, Mennonite Abe, Louie times two, uh, Debster, Lala, Cat Chaser, and Pam H. for the incredible super chats. Very much appreciated. If you haven't joined Science Bob, we have a, we do have a new member, uh, Christy Abels. Christy Abels, our latest member in the Space Travelers Club. Thank you, Christy. And here we go, everyone, with the next half hour. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight as we continue with the SOR Roundtable. Looking at the month that was, my name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. We are on every major podcast network from Spotify to 
iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, and every major podcast network in between. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Well, we had to say goodnight to Terry Hall because he's got to pull daddy duties right now. His daughter's got a flat tire, and it's pouring rain where he is, so he's doing the right thing. But we still have Mr. Rob G. from After Hours on Spaced Out Radio's Weekends, from the UFO Report, Tim Senor, and our resident scientist, Science Bob McGuire, formerly of Virginia Tech University. And we are going to get into remote viewing. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because... I had one of our best interviews we've ever done on this show. It was from retired United States Army Major Paul H. Smith, who is very much involved in Project Stargate, which was a secret United States military and spy program for psychic spies, looking into everywhere from what was happening inside the Kremlin to what was happening on the moon. And they got some incredible data during those events. Now, Science Bob, you are very familiar with remote viewing and these programs. I mean, some people think it's still going on today. What's your thoughts? It is still going on today. Uh, there's people all over the place. Uh, I think mo- I think the most active group of people doing remote viewing. Uh, are situated at the main army base at Fort Meade, Maryland, and they're, they do stuff with the DIA, etc. So uh, the thing that I'm coming to know, having gone through remote viewing training, along with Lala, with Simeon Hine as our instructor, who was taught remote viewing by Ingo Swan, and I've had interactions with Gary Nolan, is everyone can learn to do this. The difference between those who do it successfully and who don't do it ever successfully is how patient you are until you achieve success. Once you are patient with yourself, patient with the process, you go through the process until you achieve success. After that, you can be a, a remote viewer. You're never going to be as good as Joe McMonigle or Ingo Swan, et cetera, because they have a condition called synesthesia. That's where your senses are all mixed up. You smell, th- you smell colors. You taste sounds, those kinds of things. People who are synesthetes, they are the premier remote viewers. And Joe McMonigle and Ingo Swan were has synesthesia and you know this because Ingo Swan taught the entire country the protocol that's now used by the military and Monroe Institute etc and there's a portion of the protocol which 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 says taste taste the sound uh, l- listen to the smells uh, here are the textures, and that's an a- operationalization of synesthesia because Ingo Swan would do that, and it would take all of these senses and put them together and help him focus on the target. 
And so um, I know that neuroplasticity is what I'm talking about. If you are patient enough and willing to work long enough and are patient with yourself and don't get all upset and get in your own way, you can kind of quieten your left brain, your logical brain, and let your right side brain, your intuitive brain take over. You can, over time, learn to do remote viewing. That's just a fact. Bob, the reason why I wanted to start with you on this was because there was something that that Paul H. Smith had said that I didn't quite agree with because you and I have had an experience with this that that yeah. I, I disagreed with him with, you know, and that is can you pick out other psychic spies if they're remote viewing you? And your answer or his answer was no, you can't. You can't see other people who are doing it. You can't pick them up. Yet you and I had an experience where we were able to. So I, I believe that those. So, so again, it's 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 a what if. It's it's. I'm sorry. It's an if. If you are able to enter astral, you can use the same astral they're in viewing to see them. So well, if you sh- can enter astral the astral projection or see something of astral projection, you can use the same astral projection they're using to look at you. Well, and see them. Let's let's give an example here. You and I were having a very private conversation on Signal yep. one day. And yep. and I knew I just knew that something was outside looking at me. And and I had picked up a remote viewer who was staring yep. and and I described him to a T of what he was wearing. And then I said to you, I said, Bob, because you were in your old house in Georgia back then. No, I was uh, temporarily living in a home in Virginia, getting ready to move. And I I said, I said, do you have a tree? I, I knew, I knew where I felt it. And you told me to look as, as you said, is there a big tree outside the window and i said yes and that's where i feel it's standing and when you turned and looked you saw a figure of a man standing yep. by that and, tree and I, I saw it clear as day and within a few seconds it vanished and it left because it knew it had been found right i mean so if it if it's not possible to pick him up you know according to paul h smith were we just using our imagination because we were caught in the moment, or did we see what we thought we saw? No, I believe I believe that we have the people have the ability to sense when they're being viewed. Alala does it all the time. All right, Tim Senor, what's your thoughts of remote viewing? Definitely more questions than answers. Um, and I was just actually um, wondering: is it the same as astral projection? Is that a more hippie term for this? No, no. no the, the astral projection is remote viewing on steroids. Your entire consciousness leaves your body on the bed and walks around where it wants to. Where remote viewing is doing the same kind. You're you're taking a piece of your consciousness and going out and looking at something. And but it's so, the, the conduct of both of those, the communication channel, is the astral plane. Okay, so there is a crossover there. They're similar. 
And so, um, in theory, would you be able to see somebody that was astral projecting? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, look, you, you can go read all of these serious astral projection books you want. And people go into astral projection, even though they are not co-located. And let's just say, especially if they are a man and a woman, they have a good time. I see. So they can see each other. Interesting. Um, I'm a big fan of the film, the men who stare at goats. Um, and I was wondering, um, how much of that was reality in your opinion? It was real. And, and you see, you see Ed May and, uh, Kit Green and other people are portrayed in that movie. It's a true story that's been fictionalized and made into a parody but the thing was based on truth. And so you brought up Ingo Swan. And so is that kind of the uh, godfather, if you will, of, of this? So and- when, when, the, when the United States government got, had all these moles and spies, et cetera, that told them that the Soviet Union had built an entire cadre of remote viewers, they found a scientist that everybody had on this show and in and around has heard of, and another one. And Hal Putoff and Russell Targ were set up at Stanford Research International and, uh, and uh, got a contract from the United States government to prove it, don't prove it. If you can prove it, show us how to do it. And Ingo Swan walked in. After Yuri Geller drove everybody crazy, Ingo Swan walked in and made the entire program function gave them all the training materials and did it for a long while and really convinced the government that remote viewing was real. And the cool. International Remote Viewing Association was founded out of that effort, which was Project Stargate, by the way, at started at, at Stanford at, at SRI by Hal Putoff and Russell Targ. Perfect. And before I pass off the mic, my final question is, do you think that it's possible for some people, um, whether they want to or not, can do it in a dream state or meditation state or at some point during their sleep um, without their knowing? Yes. And, um, happens, happens a lot. If you're lucid dreaming or you're dreaming something that's real and probably in color, especially if you see the faces of people that you do not know, you are doing it. Interesting. That opens up many more questions, but please, I'll pass the mic. Thanks. All right. Rob G., have you ever tried to remote view? Never tried it. Um, I, I definitely am, am down to do it. It's it's more of um, if I knew how to get into that mode then i would definitely attempt to do it is it more like a a meditation thing yes. and then you reach yes. out and try to reach out so, so okay. look look you you have you have your right brain and your left brain your left brain is physics math and uh accounting your right brain is music spirituality religious fervor that kind of thing your right brain is the one you want to listen to because you're trying to get sensory perceptions of an event you care to look into. And you, okay. you have to turn this part off because you're going to get all of these signals. 
and you don't want to interpret them. You just want to remember them. So, and this takes time. You just have to learn. And neuroplasticity, the brain can rewire its functions. It's like a computer changing programs. So you can teach your brain over time, if you're a patient, to reprogram itself to kind of go into this quiet state and listen to your right brain. That you have sufficient neuroplasticity until the day you die to do it. Mm, okay, and then you mentioned, um, I think you said your wife. Uh, you were you were talking about uh, if someone could, if you if you could, I guess, get the feeling that someone is remote viewing you. Mm-hmm. So is that almost the same feeling that you would get, you know, when you are out somewhere and you feel like someone's watching you and yes. then you turn around yes. and they're looking yes. at you dead in the face. Yes. Okay. And she, so when, the, when we were being remote viewed, I had a pretty good idea who was doing the remote viewing, especially after Dave and a military person that was involved that we talked with. I pretty much had an idea who was doing the remote viewing and we were being viewed and she saw who it was, described them to a T and she's an artist so I got a good, I got a really good idea of who it was. And she said, I reached out and manufactured a flower for them and handed it to them. And as soon as I did the handed the flower to them, whoever their handlers were came in and shut it all down. And I haven't seen them since because they knew that she was on to them. Man, that's wild. That's wild. Incredible. Incredible. Gentlemen, she's, ama- she's an amazing person. She really is. Gentlemen, we're going to change topics here on the SOR roundtable because one of the topics that Tim brought up on the UFO report just recently was the new series by Steven Spielberg on Netflix. Oh, Encounters. It's so good. About Encounters. Now, we know Steven Spielberg from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T., and many other uh, interest that he has had in the UFO community. Taken was another one, and now there's Encounters. But this series, I also think, needs a little bit of critiquing. And not that I'm a movie specialist or anything along those lines, but, and I'm going to admit, at the time of this broadcast, I have not seen it yet. But in hearing from Tim and other people, as well put together as this is, it's the same topics that everyone is talking about each and every time. Okay? The aerial school incident in Zimbabwe as an example of this. How many times do we have to have the exact same stories each and every time, Rob G.? Well, I, I, you know, you guys talked about it last night, so I said, hey, you know what, I'm going to watch it. So I did, right after the show last night. And uh, I will say that it, the aerial school one was more, one, more of the better one for me. Because, yeah, it was the same story, but they showed different people and they had different opinions on, and they even had uh, some uh, a person who played skeptic in there. Who said that? Uh, no, they didn't see that. They no, saw he, no, he, no, he claimed he claimed he made the whole thing up and, yeah. and mass hypnotized everybody into following him. Yeah, yeah. So it was a different a spin to it. 
He's a liar. It, yeah, he is a liar. I don't believe that at all. These kids know what they saw, and they all described it perfectly. But one thing they missed, uh, not that they missed here, but one thing the previous documentaries have missed when telling the story is I don't think they had the right people from the incident, whereas this one, they actually had the girl they always show on all the clips uh, who, you know, uh, was the more straight-faced child who told the story and i thought it, it felt different to me and i've seen all, all the aerial school ones out there this I, I, one have you, felt seen, have you seen aerial phenomenon by randall nickerson yeah i saw that i don't think i, I wish they no, would so that same that same scene where john mack is interviewing the little blonde girl yes. and the little yes. and the little black girl because they were yes. very close friends and yes. they were the most serious of the people that everyone has seen in all these shows in James Fox's phenomenon and in Ariel by Randall Nickerson. And in this one, they use the same people. And those two little girls, I believe every word they said. Yeah. Me too. Yes. And Me so, too. and so does, so did John Mack. But the point that I'm trying to get at here, gentlemen, is when it seems like every documentary that is done on this subject revolves around the same 12 stories every time. Okay, we've added the Nimitz incident to it. You know, there's Betty and Barney Hill. There's Travis Walton. There's, you know, the, the like we said, the Zimbabwe incident. There's Rendlesham. I mean, there are more incidents out there that would make an extremely great documentary. It's like if you go on Netflix or Hulu, or or Amazon, and you look at 20 different UFO documentaries, at least 16 of them will have the same people telling the same story and getting paid for it. Now, I have no problem with people getting paid for their efforts, okay? But can we not use our imaginations or our investigative skills, Tim, to try and find some new stories out there rather than rehashing the same old ones that we've heard every single time. I can tell you right now, but between us four on this panel and looking at the people in our chat room who've had their own incredible experiences, we could tell one hell of a good story in 60 oh, yeah. minutes sure. or two hours. Yeah. I'm just, guys, I'm, I'm tired of of seeing, you know, if, if you go back on 2B TV or whatever, who's on there? Let, let's make a list. And, and this isn't an insult to the people who I'm going to name, okay? But it's always Richard Dolan, Linda Bolton Howe, the late Stanton Friedman, Mike Baca, uh, Melinda Leslie, Okay, somebody from move at least two people from MUFON. Okay, and it's the same people each and every time. And I don't understand why we keep rehashing the same stories when there's more out there than Travis Walton being abducted 40 plus years ago, almost 50 years ago. No offense to Travis. I believe his story. I believe everything. Tim, no, help no. me out here. I believe it. Well, I think, you know, it's titled Encounters, and there was 
really no encounter. And that is pretty tough to say. Um, that's my heaviest critique, you know, because obviously it was beautiful and they revisited a lot of stories that we all know within the community. The one big plus I think here is that it's going to reach a wider audience because obviously every fan of Spielberg is going to see this and maybe they haven't seen some of these cases and there was some footage in one episode. So, I mean, I think that really at this point we deserve more, you know, because we know that there's new footage. We know that there's footage out there to get it's available um, it's just very expensive and time-consuming to go to a hotspot and get original new footage. It's hard to do. I do it all the time. It's hard. It's risky. And it's dirty, you know, and it's hot. And your camera crew is there just waiting hours and hours for a second, maybe, of footage of something. And then comes the hours and hours of analysis and all the things that go into that. So for a documentary to be successful like that and to come up with original footage um, is tough. It's really tough. So they have to reinvestigate big cases that are hard to debunk. Let's just say that these were hard to debunk cases because there were so many witnesses. Now they're historical and there's really not a lot of other evidence out there other than historical cases. So and, they grabbed in, some of the e best that there were. In each Go of ahead. these cases, there were new witnesses. Let me give you an example. The Nimitz, they got a person who had just, who had retired from the U.S. Naval Intelligence Service. And you're saying Chad table. Underwood? No, 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 no. This is a new person sat at the table in a darkened room, and he was a centerpiece at the very beginning of the first episode. And that person, I had never heard of him before that episode. And the Stevensville, Texas story where Robert, uh, what's his name from um, uh, SCU, did all the fantastic analysis work and proved it was something so much that the government changed its story and shut it all down. That was better told than any version of that story I have ever seen, and they went to it in detail. So the one thing that was bad was the 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 jerk who lied at uh, Rua about the the uh, yeah. uh, at the, 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 the school that that and that hacked me off. Let's also potentially bring up the one where they had the Japanese tsunami fallout. Yeah, and they had some great footage. And then in the same breath, they flipped it over to somebody that's channeling aliens. What was your opinion of that? Well, let's hold on to that answer. Let's hold on to that answer because we only got five seconds here before we have to go to break here at the top of the hour. Gentlemen, it is a great show on the roundtable tonight. We got Science Bob. We got Tim Senor. We got Sweet Robbie G for the next hour as we are going to continue on with documentaries of UFOs. What do we need to do different? You know, this is a big question because we keep rehashing the same crap over and over and over and over and over again. Spaced Out Radio continues after this. I'm watching on Facebook. Sorry, I'm quiet. I'm watching on Facebook. The, the dude who did my, uh, my uh, Sasquatch tattoo uh, about three hours ago his house caught on fire and has been destroyed. 
Oh no! Yeah, oh, there's video boy. of it. So I'm uh, oh, I'm a little bit. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm hoping Andrew. I know Andrew really and his practice. family got out uh, and everything like that. But uh, I'm just kind of paying attention to you know make sure that uh, everything is a okay. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, interesting. So I'll be so right back. You said. I'll be right back, guys. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead Rob. No, I was going to tell Dave. I was like, yeah, but watch that uh, series. You definitely should watch it because I think he may walk away from it with a different opinion about how it was presented. Oh, no. I, I, in, in, every, in every one of the cases, they're bringing up things that have not been brought up before, bringing up people yeah. that have not been brought in before, and doing a really top-notch job production-wise. Excellent yeah. cameras, efforts, excellent scenes, covering each of the different narratives nearly completely, which is they often don't do in these short things. The other, the other one, like this, it's also named Encounters by Bill Howard. It's on Prime, and that's mm-hmm. Bill uh, Encounters: The Complete Interviews. And this is season one with six interviews, and it is strictly let the people tell their story ask them how the evidence was gathered and so forth. And it's not fancy and glitzy, but it's the experiencers telling their stories. And Bill Howard's done a good job. Yeah. With the, uh, the Rua case, the aerial school, they actually, uh, which really is a small thing, but it really actually helped out a lot. They gave an idea of the distance between them and the beings. I had no clue. They Two were meters. close. Two that meters, is, but they never say that on any other documentary. Exactly. They, they did they say a it like over job. there. Yeah. yeah, they were like, dude, they were right here, like two, like you said, six meters away. Cra- I two, mean, two, two meters. meters away. Yeah, two meters. Yeah, six feet. That is insanely crazy. It just puts it into a hole. So they, I mean, you knew they knew what they saw before, but for something to be two meters away from you, there's just no mistake in that. Period. So, and so the the, the guy that lied. You, there is no way you can tell me that the individual kids that were two meters away from the entity showing them bad things happening to the world if we don't take care of it. And could, could he did not tell them to describe telepathic communication perfectly. Right. Now, that guy is full of crap. Yeah, he's what they call a clout chaser. That, I don't know where he came from. And he's never been around at any point in time. And First time his I've story just it. sounds silly to begin. A shiny rock. He said a shiny rock. And no rock. There's no I've rock never, out there. Never seen a shiny rock. Never seen I mean, a rock out there, period. This guy, this guy. I couldn't believe, but I don't know why they added him in there. Maybe just for the skeptic view. But I think yeah. what they so if I if I if I could stand back and think like they would. They if they want to present the milieu in which all these stories always happen, you always have those people around these UFO stories. Yeah, Every yeah. one of these UFO stories True. has a goofball like that. True. Every- I, uh, he said, I told them this look at the shiny rock and then I said it's an alien and they all said oh like, and he, on, he started it all. He started it all and mass hypnotized sixty kids. Especially <laughs> after the teacher came and said she saw things and then had experiences after. Yeah, and I yeah, think that that's another me. reason why they keep showing those because they're like the most 
profound, pro- prolific cases. Yeah, they're the best out ones. there. They're, they're yeah. the best cases with the best evidence. Yeah, whether it's eyewitness or radar, they're the best evidence. Yeah, and the Nimitz has all, and the, the guy, the naval intelligence officer, he saw the radar evidence that none of us has ever seen. That was why he needed to be there and why it was good he was there and it was new. He saw the radar evidence that none of us have ever been allowed to see. I haven't made it to those. I saw the uh, aerial and the Stevensville. I still have to watch the other two. Well, the, fir- the first episode it t- talks about uh, the, the naval intelligence guy who was on the Nimitz. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it starts off with him in a darkened room coming in and sitting in a chair and telling us who he is. That's I how Spielberg chooses to start it. Yeah, I think I skipped it because I was looking for the one Tim was talking about last night, and I think I just skipped that one. I mean, I'm gonna watch it tonight, though. Yeah, it's, Light, it's, it's good. Yeah. We, got, over we got just over a minute, guys. Episode four. Just over a minute here. Cool. Yeah, there's also a movie. Just so you, uh, it's on Hulu. And it's called uh, No One Can Save You. Just came out. I've been waiting for it to come out. Good. It is actually, you saw it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. good. I was like, oh, wow. The gray was God, excellent. I was finally, like, wow. Finally got that little noceum bug right in front yeah. of my eyes. Gentlemen, hold on right there, please, because I want to say thank you to Donnie and Kira and W. Decker times two, Gizmo, Pam H., Cat Chaser. Lala, Mennonite Abe, Debster, and Louie times two for the great super chats tonight. It's a great way to support what we do. Also, be like Science Bob, okay? Join the Space Travelers Club. Five bucks a month minimum. Your choice on what you want to support. It's on Patreon. The link is below in the description of this show. And here we go, everybody, with the final hour of the roundtable. you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor here we go with the third and final hour of spaced out radio's roundtable tonight my name is dave scott very much appreciate all of you tuning us on in wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call earth hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around north america digitally on odyssey radio talk stream live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Taphophobia. Taphophobia is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Now we continue on talking about documentaries after Steven Spielberg's latest is out on Netflix. And we're having quite a debate on this because, you know, it's the same topics, same show, just different title, different editor, 
different director. And Tim, what would you like to see? What are we missing? You're a film director. Okay. What are we missing when it comes to all of these different films? Because they're all the same. Yeah. And we have to be so careful when we put media out to the masses because you could always be perpetuating that mythos back into the zeitgeist with nonsense potentially, right? And so if you focus your attention on a case that maybe was false, but bringing all of this potential to it and validating it, we're getting away from the truth of the reality of the topic. And I always feel like we need to you know, get back to cases that have evidence, Try and get back to science. It's great talking about historical cases. I love it. And bringing new witnesses, you know, it validates that historical case. But if we're going to talk seriously about this, we can't have historical nonsense. And I hate nonsense being the word I use here, but I feel like that's what infiltrates. Because for me, what I remember from this was episode four, which was um, where they were you know, it's called Fukushima and they had some great video from the Fukushima fallout of potential UAP in the sky from more than one source. And it was a great case. And then they immediately brought in someone that believed that they were channeling an alien entity and there was chattering and they did their thing, you know, where they're talking in an alien language and, you immediately kind of maybe bring an element that's a little harder to believe to the same audience that you're showing potential real UAP to. So I feel like you're showing a little bit of truth and a little bit of false in the same sentence. It's just very hard. So what is the message at the end of a a documentary like that? You know, it's a very mixed message, I think, at best, and delivered by an epic filmmaker. And it's not a knock on this piece because I still enjoyed it and it was entertaining. And there were definitely new witnesses. And I'm not discouraging people from watching this. There's definitely something to it. But what I would love to see and what I try to bring in my work, at least, is just new evidence, maybe an old location, but new evidence. For example, we have our lab set up at Terry Hall's house. Well, that's where the first photograph of a UFO was ever taken, the Trent property in Oregon, McMinnville, Oregon. Well, that's where my lab is home base. We have our tech there 24-7 for the past two years. I mean, that is considerable. We've caught data there. Now, that's the kind of thing I, th- I think is needed, you know, more of that. You know, and the evidence that comes from that just it's long term and maybe not as instant gratification as a cash in money grab. But I think this is where the narrative has to go more into evidence, more into proving what this could potentially be, not just looking at historical hearsay. Well, one of the things I want to add to this is even if we look at paranormal television, paranormal television has been some of the highest rated television in the last 20 years. And at points, it has even, you know, pushed NFL football for its ratings numbers on cable television. And it's been a very, very big success 
over the years, even though the numbers are slowly starting to decline and we see, you know, television shows dropping left, right and center on this. But for the networks, whether it's A&E who did it first and now it's Travel Channel and, and Discovery Plus who have really picked up the paranormal side up here in Canada, it's been a network called T&E that has really uh, made their way on the paranormal. When you look at the locations, it's always the same stagnant locations. It's Gettysburg, it's Waverly Hills, it's Bobby McGee's or Bobby Mackey's, pardon me, on Route 66, it's Alcatraz. And, you know, very rarely do we see a location that that is unknown to people. And this has been my biggest complaint about paranormal television, Rob, is that everything is always the same. It may be a different team, but now they're investigating. At some point, can we not have something where we're actually looking for answers rather than looking for evidence at the exact same spots that every other television or documentary, uh, documentary pardon me, has gone through? I mean, I think it's just easier for them to do that. I think Tim kind of touched on this earlier. I mean, those are those have been investigated and looked at. There's a history to it there. When you have something brand new, it's just like uh, in music. You have a brand new artist, yeah, or versus a, a known artist. Uh, you don't. You have to break this new artist. You have to spend so much money and time into into getting the name out there. And I think that's what happens with a lot of these other locations. You have to spend so much time and effort. You may have done a great job on this one documentary where you introduce this new location, but the next 15 will be about the more famous location and that one gets buried. So for the person doing it, they take a money risk. And, uh, you know, I think that's just the way that that is, unfortunately, because there are a lot of other great uh, cases and locations out there for sure. But it's about the money that it takes to break that, to 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 shine enough light on that uh, incident. Bob, what's your thoughts? So, so I was just going to say I, I'm I'm with you. I'd like to see new stories. So I want to recommend one. There's an independent filmmaker who has a, also a series called Encounters: The Complete Interviews on Prime. And that's Bill Howard. And these are stories that you've not heard before. And he's an independent person. So he's going around with his decent equipment, making videos and telling these people's stories. And they're new. And so uh, and I've seen some other stuff he's done. And he's a decent filmmaker. uh, And he has managed to make it to prime. So he's got some pull and they're streaming it. Uh, So uh, that's 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 a new example. But we need more of those because we need stories that we have not heard before, because there are over a million experiencers in the United States alone. They've got to be able to find some more stories and maybe probably even better ones. And Bob, I think you hit the nail on the head is, is that it, But I want to ask you, is it laziness? Because we already know these locations that are used over and over again are haunted. Is it laziness? Is it travel budgets? Is it is it something where you know we don't want to use much imagination when it comes to these stories, or we want to one up the Zach Bagans or the Ghost Hunters team or Amy Bruni and Adam Barry 
when it comes to these locations? I mean, what is it? I, well, look, I, I, the producers, executive producers and directors, showrunners, etc., they want to make sure with their limited budgets, they get something decent. And so they're going to places that are tried and true where half the research has already been done. Um, this, this, it's, it's, it's risk reduction. Tim, what's yep. your thoughts on that? I live and breathe that. <laughs> I absolutely understand that. I mean, and it's hit or miss. I mean, I had to cut an investigation short this summer due to temperature. It sucks. You know, you end up having to spend more money than you expected. But these are all just part of the investigation. It's kind of like going to Vegas. It's very much like going to Vegas, in fact. And you can even go with all your buddies. But it doesn't mean you're going to come home a winner. And it may not mean you're going to stay all seven days because you may end up spending your money in three. And that's as simple as I can put it. Well, you know what? Let's get to some imagination. And if anybody's out there, you know, we don't need another stroll through a forest looking for Bigfoot. We don't need uh, another, you know, uh, documentary on the Lizzie Borden house. We don't need another different angle on the Travis Walton story. Find something new. Find something that's really going to captivate people. Then we'll see the ratings go back up. And then we will see very interesting things happen, like in a certain forest in British Columbia. Right, Tim? I mean, I've seen some things. (laughs) You got that right. You got that right. Let's move on to our next topic, guys, because we are hearing there are about 30 whistleblowers that have testified behind closed doors in front of Congress regarding the UFO subject as we dip back into it. And one of the things that we have brought up on this show is, who are they? If they are protected by the Whistleblower Act, why do we not have more David Grushes coming out into the field saying, I'm somebody who has testified, I'm somebody who is credible on this situation? Because this story... For as much as the politicians, whether it's Tim Burchett or Marco Rubio or uh, Senator Gillibrand or any of these people who have gotten involved politically on this subject, the one thing that they've always talked about, Bob, is transparency. They want more transparency. They want this story to come out to the U.S. and the world public regarding the UFO phenomena. Okay? Yet... It just seems like more and more, it doesn't matter what angle we are going through, once again, we have a month where everything seems to be going behind closed doors again. How do these politicians, Bob, sit there and preach transparency, especially Tim Burchett, yet he's one of the leaders who is pushing for these backdoor meetings? So, So that's the only meetings he can get. Okay, so look. Your process and how our government works is getting people who are itching for openness uh, to be fulfilled, and it's driving them crazy. So all this crap ran up, including including Grush, happened, and then the August recess happened. And nobody was in town, and everybody went home. There was nobody to hold a meeting with. And then that month was all the other side needed to begin to mount 
serious opposition. And it's opposition from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I'm sorry, not the chair, the Secretary of Defense, all the way down, Austin, all the way down to major committee heads in the House are leading the opposition. And now even Mark Warner in the Senate is opposed to this full disclosure. And the people have gotten to him and said, we, we cannot let this stuff out. We just can't. We have to keep it secret because it'll get to China tomorrow if we let Congress have it today. That's the story that's going around oh. is they can't tell those people anything because if we tell them everything, it'll get to China tomorrow. Bob, I understand the fear of China yeah. and Russia getting the information. I can understand the fear. I can also understand very, very uh, hopefully and wholesomely that there are members who have probably testified that have taken part in other black projects where if their name got out or their face got out, that there could be trouble for this person uh, due to other missions that they ha are have experienced or are currently working on. I get that. I can appreciate the secrecy with those people. But give you an example, as I used with Tim the other day. Kevin Day from the Nimitz incident stated that he has testified. Robert Salas has said that he has testified. Okay? But they're not talking about it. Okay? If they have testified and these guys are retired and they have no more missions and they've already been public about the fact of their information, Robert Salas with the nuclear uh, facilities being shut down by UFOs, and of course Kevin Day was the radar operator on the USS Princeton during the Nimitz incident and developed severe PTSD over this, why not just come out publicly and say, I have testified. Who would like to talk to me? They would have their choice. They don't have to go on every show, but at least go on some shows and tell us what, what were you asked? What, what went on in, during your submission? That doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt so, the cause. So in I, fact, it amplifies I suspect, it. I, I suspect that they've been told not to do that. They've been told not to do that, and so they're not doing it. And can I just briefly add to that, Dave? Yeah, please. Um, uh, and so how do you feel personally about how Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, Thomas A. Monheim, um, appeared to deny what's going on in a letter to Congress that his office was investigating these claims? Monheim said that his office, quote, had not conducted any audit inspection, evaluation, or review of any UAP programs within responsibility authority of the DNI. So but, 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 well, hang, on, hang, on, yeah. hang on, just let, let me, let me, Please. I want to parse that. I want to yeah. parse it. Because Grush operated in DOD and the IC, and he was receiving personal attacks against person, health, work, clearance, etc. he had to go to the inspectors general that represent him in his position. You cannot, people have got to get accustomed to what I'm accustomed to is them saying the absolute truth in the language they present and it's bullshit from the word go because 
the 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 people that are running this are not in the intelligence community. Okay, so let me just uh, put on top of that. Can you redefine then what they're calling protected disclosure? Protected disclosure is coming and telling them about the program. That that's in fact the protected disclosure. But what the inspector general said is he does not he does not have the right to go and inspect a program that's run by the Department of Energy. The Department of Energy inspector general has the right to go and run run and checks on a program that's right. under the Department of Energy, the National National Nuclear Security Agency, etc. And so what the what the bad guys have done is spread this everywhere where no one locus can go pull it all together. Right. Because he can't respond because he has no knowledge of it. He has no, he has no he has no authority to go and check on a DOE run program. But Indeed. so he covers up what is the actual truth with a true statement. He doesn't tell you the complete truth. This has uh, happened. All. Susan Goff is the master at telling a true statement that covers up the truth. She's the master. She's the best I've ever seen. Let's get Rob Indeed. G in here. Rob, Rob, you've been pretty quiet. You're hearing what Tim and Science Bob are saying about this. What's your thoughts on the whistleblowers and where this is going and why they're not speaking when everybody's talking transparency here? Well, I think uh, if it, it, the whistleblower, the whole way that that is set up is for them to uh, give the information and most of it being classified uh you know, behind in a skiff. So a lot of that stuff won't come out. Gresh just had some things that he had approved uh, through Dobser to be able to talk about. And I guess you, they'd have to take the same path in order for them to be able to become public and for us to get any of that information. Otherwise this is all designed to happen in a skiff somewhere. So I don't think we should probably even expect to get anything. Hopefully they do something with the information that they're getting um, but yeah, that information won't come public unless it gets approved. We already know how that works. So let me come, let, let me take it back. So the program is divided up into twenty different departments. Each of the different departments are the only classification authority for what goes on in their department. So Grush wants to come and talk to the Senate. He's gone to DOD and the IC. Maybe they've given them the permission to talk about what was under their area of responsibility to the Congress. But the other people in the other departments, they have not given permission for him to tell what he knows to them about what he's found. And so each each area has a responsibility for what they have classified while doing their work on behalf of the American people. And all of them have to give him permission to talk about what he's found if it's under their area of responsibility. So there's 20 signatures that have to be granted and 20 different certifications for the secure compartmented information facility has to be given. So it's going to take forever. So this is why people, there's one way, one way only we are going to get disclosure. If you care, 
Call your congressman and your senator and tell them to pass the Schumer Amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act because that brushes all of this crap out of the way. And now there's one authority controlling all of it. And if I might just piggyback very briefly on what you're saying here, Science Bob, that as we are starting to hear, there's 30 to 50 whistleblowers potentially coming forward. And based on the information they're bringing, the department that it's pertinent to, the classification of the information is dependent on, quote, where some of these witnesses and whistleblowers are coming forward directly to Arrow. And some need to go directly to the DOD IG, and some need to go to the ICIG, and some directly to Congress, depending on the pertinent information within the report. Is that correct? That's correct. Beautiful. And they have only one legal way to do their telling without going to prison. Well, gentlemen, we're going to we're going to continue this conversation in a little bit different form in the final half hour of the show because David Grush did a major, major interview with a YouTube channel that has really nothing to do with UFOs, but it's got over a million plus views and people are going absolutely bonkers over it. And, and you know, people are now wondering, is David Grush now doing this? Because there's now apparently movies and books coming out and all the rumors. Is he doing this for the limelight? Or is he doing it for the betterment of humanity? Spaced Out Radio with Science Bob, Tim Sedor, Rob G. on the roundtable continues right after this. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Do you know who Jesse Michael is? Yeah, give me give me two seconds here. Uh, let's talk about it on the air, Bob. Because no, I don't, no, I am, but I yeah. just want to make sure you know who yes. he is. He is the CEO of Peter Thiel and Eric I know. Weinberg. This is exactly what Fine. I this is exactly what I want on the air. Okay. Uh, All right. By the way, guys, we're getting a little too political in the chat room again. Uh, I don't know when we started talking politics. Okay, we have everybody here, guys, uh, from conservatives to Republicans to Democrats to liberals and everybody. This is a room for everyone. So. Uh, if the, we, we, we should behave, we should behave like Burchett and AOC are behaving. They are hand in hand on this disclosure stuff. Yeah. Both of them. The personal politics. And they don't like each other. The personal politics. There's no need for it in the chat room, guys. No, this is a not, this is not a political thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So science, Bob, you didn't make it out here this summer. No, I couldn't. You are going to be attending the Reno party May 10th through 12th. You and la, 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 right. We're looking forward to it. We have friends that are coming from California to that just to see us. Oh, nice. Nice. Hi, LB Macaroni and Nina Williams. How you doing? Yeah. You know what's funny is every time you lean forward, you get this big black dot on your head. Yeah, my the galaxy behind me shows up on my head. I think that's hilarious. I really see, do. See, that's the galaxy <clears throat> behind me. <clears throat> you know what? We got the full moon tonight. I'm heading out into the forest tomorrow night, Bob. 
Nice. Oh, yeah. I'm heading out into the give forest. A give, a, give a really good <clears> gift. <throat> I got a feeling something's going to happen. And it's going to be cool. How long has it been since you had a near face-to-face? It'll be one year next weekend. One yeah, I'd love for you. Well, I mean, I mean, there. I'd love for you and your boy to see one. Yeah, Colby's not coming. Uh, he's he's uh, gone for a week uh, with his mom down to um, the Lower Mainland. They uh, there was a, a death on that side of the family. So, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So you know, it's really cool. Is Colby and uh, my partner will be going to uh, going to Iron Maiden on Monday night. Nice. Yeah, they're they're gonna run through the hills and run for their lives, right? Toothbrush, how you doing? But uh, yeah, tomorrow night, going into the forest, and I am uh, I'm pumped. I I really got a feeling that something is gonna happen. And um, as Tim knows, when when I get those feelings, they usually uh, end up happening. And I don't know what the hell's going to happen, but I think we're in for some serious excitement tomorrow night. And maybe it'll be the the cheese-filled hot dogs we're going to be barbecuing out there. I don't know. But um, I'm, I'm friggin' pumped. I'm friggin' pumped. I need to pumped. get you a psionics. Yeah. I'm going to have my night, <laughs> night vision out there. I'm going to have uh, a lot of weird stuff out there. Beautiful. Yeah, you're going to be out there in the woods, Dave, so you're going to miss an awesome episode of After Hours tomorrow from 8 to 10 Pacific time, 8 to 11 Pacific time. Uh, we're going to have guest Ian Holt on the show. We're going to be doing some SOR weekly review, and we got a few other little things that we're going to try out for you guys. We're trying to mix it up, spice it up, but Dave will be in the woods, so he won't get to catch that episode. I will catch it after. I'll catch it afterwards. Trust me on that. I got to I got to listen to the small Paul Smith interview. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I have a science project going on at the University of Scranton. It's, it's gobbling half my day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hello to Dry Toast, the best name on YouTube. How you doing? Yeah. Uh I won't play Ronald Moorhead's audio because we don't know what it says. But I got to, I, you know, I don't know if we're going to see anything. I don't get the feeling that we're going to see anything tomorrow night, but I get the feeling we're going to hear things. Yeah, and, you definitely don't want to play Moorhead stuff if you don't know what the language content is. You don't want to say an F you if you're going to go see Bigfoot. <laughs> no. Right? Oh, and. Yeah, and I must say, by the way, I love Rob's show for the weekend. The way it feels like it's like a game show and everybody wins. It's like it feels, you know, <laughs> all right, guys, that. five I seconds, five seconds. Here we go, everyone. Final half hour of Spaced Out Radio's Roundtable is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us 
My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on any major podcast network, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, and every major podcast network in between. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Earlier, right before the break, we were talking about David Grush, the whistleblower with the bombshell testimony about what he knows about the UFO subject being covered up in the United States. Well, a couple of weeks ago, he did a Tell Me Everything interview with, with a guy named Jesse Michaels, okay, who seems to have an inside view for his channel. Now, this is a guy who hasn't done any UFO reporting on this subject on his YouTube channel at all, but now there's over 2 million views, and they keep going up day to day to day. Bob, I want to start with this. Who is this Jesse Michaels? Jesse Michaels is the CEO of Peter Thiel and Eric Weinstein's hedge fund. He is, uh, he's, that's why Jesse talked Eric into getting on and starting the portal. And the portal has interviewed Hal Putoff and uh, a bunch of other people, Gary Nolan. uh, And Eric Weinstein is currently trying to be the latest Einstein with a current theory of everything called geometric unity. So he's a very, very smart mathematician, but he works for an investment company that Peter Thiel is the major investor in. And Jesse Michaels is the CEO of that company. Jesse's been doing this and he is a he's a good interviewer. I've watched his interviews for a while, but but he and Eric talked Grush into going with them. So he brought in what is what is the name of the trio that uh, did the actual work? I forgot the name of the trio of filmmakers that actually did this work because they had to run around with Grush for a week to get this entire interview to cut it together. Uh, and he's just a very popular uh, podcaster, and he doesn't care about money because he's already wealthy, and he's just doing it because he wants to. Well, the interesting part about it is he only has 24 videos, 25 videos, and you know this is somebody who knows the algorithms, knows how YouTube works, unlike some people yep. that I know like me, who don't really know how YouTube works behind the scenes, but we keep but every trudging. one of them, every one of the interviews, high impact, every one of them. Absolutely. But I mean, the idea though, that, you know, Grush is once again, tied with someone who is also involved in Enigma labs in Peter Thiel. And for people who don't know who Peter Thiel is a reminder, he is one of the co-founders of PayPal. PayPal who now has a major defense company that contracts to the military to protect their computers for, for, from, uh, from hackers. And to arrow Enigma contracts to arrow and Enigma is yeah. Arrow wants all the UFO reports to head off to, or arrow wants them to head off to Enigma labs, which is an Enigma of itself. 
you know, because nobody seems to know the big secret that they are trying to keep to try and be the futuristic MUFON that's out there. So that and they're, they're, that and I think they're having an impact because MUFON recently rewrote and greatly increased the complexity of their reporting form. Multiple people are complaining about it. And I'm going to do my field investigation uh, examination this month before I have to care, carry the changes and buy a new book. Yeah, so there's lots of this changing going on, and it's all to integrate stuff with Enigma. But the, but the point that I'm getting at with David Grush is the Ross Coltart gave him a great interview where Ross was totally journalistic in asking him some very tough and pointed questions. And now we see Grush, you know, go into this interview where there wasn't a lot of tough questions. It was, there's a lot of fluff there regarding it all, but it it was a lot of recycling of the same thing. Do we see David Grush maybe trying to go down that road where he knows there's going to be major documentaries made of him where he's going to be able to make some money? It usually leads to a million-dollar book deal. We're still waiting for Lou Elizondo's million-dollar deal to be pushed forward where his book is allegedly going to out a lot of people. We've been hearing about this for nearly two years now. Uh, Rob, what do you think? Do you think this is now David Grush trying to say, okay, I'm moving into this field. I've said what I've said. Now it's time for me, after everything I've been through, to capitalize on this. Uh, it could be going down that road. I'll tell you how I felt about it. I was actually disappointed when this interview came out. When I originally reported on this video, I felt like it uh, took away from his credibility overall and and I'll tell you why and it's not it really isn't because of anything that he said uh or anything that the interviewer asked him but just like you pointed to the we heard David Grush come out through a Ross Coltar interview which they've admitted they did a pre-interview to prepare for the actual interview so in the interview it came through powerful uh the answers were matter of fact and it was on his grand stage. Yeah. Then he follows that up with the UFO hearing where he comes across the same way. And then he does this little fun, fun time interview where he's walking through the woods and kind of just shooting the breeze, but, but being asked actual serious questions. And I, I always say that if we didn't get the Ross Coltar interview or the UFO hearing, and then this was the first interview we saw meeting David Grush, I don't think that a lot of people would have been on board with what it was that he was saying. So I felt like he didn't need to do that interview. It was a step backwards. And if they were going to do the interview, they could have talked about general things David Grush likes to do versus talking about the, the questions he was asked at, at these real serious, uh, uh, you know, uh, interviews and, and hearings. So I, I think it hurt him. Is it setting himself up for some film things later? Maybe that's the path that that goes. But I think his overall, who we came to know as David Grush and what he meant for this movement, I think took a hit with that interview. That's oh, let, me interject, let me interject one thing. He's now involved with the, the, the investment firm that Peter Thiel, Eric Weinstein, and Jesse Michael are involved in. 
That's very powerful friends. And the bad guys have been going after him with pickaxe, taking away his clearance, removed his ability to make money, using the things he's done for his entire adult life. And he has a family he needs to take care of. He actually got physically threatened in the presence of his wife. He said that under oath in front of Congress. So he's got to take care of himself and his family. I want to ask this question because this is very pointed to that, Bob. Okay, David Grush, I have no problem with anybody making money at whatever they love to do or what have you, okay? In this subject, you know, we're a business at Spaced Out Radio. Hey, our job is to make money for our company. But there is a big contingent of this field that throw this word grifting around like it's candy that they're grifting for dollars and they're grifting to to uh take advantage financially of this field i don't think david grush is trying to do that bob i I, did that interview and and cut off shorts and a t-shirt this is not a guy trying to make a ton of money off that interview he cursed he used four-letter words throughout the entire interview i mean this is this yeah uh, it may have lowered his credibility with the suits and ties, but it certainly humanized him. No, I, I get that, and I appreciate that. But, okay, Tim, I see you're nodding, so maybe you're trying to under, you understand what, I, what I'm trying to say here because we do this quite often. But with the, with the amount of people who, who believe that in the disclosure for dollars movement, which I do believe yeah. – is something out there. I mean, the critics are saying, look, he's now grifting for money off this story where he literally had no proof. He never saw anything with his own eyes. Everything that he's said is either anecdotal or second, secondhand knowledge. So where, where do we draw the line on that? Because the guy's allowed to make a living. Okay. The guy is allowed to financially be taken care of or take care of his family, especially. Okay, where do we draw the line on on a guy taking care of his family compared to a guy who is, you know, trying to pull the wool over people's eyes and steal money for a fake story? Well, I think in his own words that he had information that he was compelled to come forward with. And so we should hold him to that. You know, if that was his reason for it, we shouldn't question any other motives. We know that he was well-connected, and the conversations that he had were probably well-informed. Now, some people have speculated as to whether Grush and other UAP whistleblowers that are coming forward might be part of some sort of disinformation campaign, right? Now, we hate that. We hate that concept. But before we shake off the fact that it's a disinformation campaign, part of this has been the topic of UAP programs that were black, that had special spending and underhanded uh, secret spending, right? And so now that has been linked to the UAP topic. And so politically, it's kind of tanking the UAP topic. And so if you want to look at it in one way, it has poisoned the UAP tank a little bit. Because now we're kind of on another topic that politically nobody wants to talk about spending and diversion of funds. But 
we're open to UAP. Now that's something that was great and going well, but David Grush brought those two together in the same conversation and kind of tainted the pot and divided the conversation, if you will. Now, that's the only point that I'm going to bring forward on that aspect. But I do feel that maybe when people look into motives, they do see that and question why. So I want to point out that the people in Congress who are gathering evidence had been talking to David Grush over a year before any of us heard his name. I met him in Huntsville in the presence of Travis and other people from Skinwalker and, and our favorite reporter from Las Vegas and Jeremy. I, they were all sitting in a booth and I met Grush and he came out with the, the uh, NGA um, person who was working with Space Force to deal with UAPs because they wanted to talk to me about using Hawkeye 360 to do something. And he, I didn't know who he was. I just shook his hand. And I talked to the person who came to talk to me. He was working with that person. So this Grush has been around for a while. And lots of these whistleblowers and Grush and other whistleblowers came out after the NDAA for 2022 was signed into law. That was the thing that provided whistleblower protection. And lots of people independent of Grush came forward. Now they have been interviewed and Grush's stories have been cross-checked with people who came forward that Grush didn't even know about. And his story has checked out. You got to listen to all of this and see how this tapestry fits together. He didn't as suddenly come into existence the day Coltheart interviewed him. He had been talking to them along with dozens of other people for over a year under NDAA 2022, which had whistleblower protection in it. It wasn't good. It wasn't complete. It allowed them to circle the wagons and hide it for another year. And then the people that want this out are fighting against the people who don't want it out. And the people who want this out have very powerful friends because they got the Schumer Amendment who, which was, which was uh, Biden and his National Security Council and Schumer and his job uh, as, as majority leader in the Senate, they work together to write that language. That's as powerful as it gets. And so and do so, you think that we're going to hear some of that support for David Grush come out publicly? Y- yes, you will after that's passed. Because okay. but that's the end of it. Look, it is the end of all the secrecy if that passes. And they do not want that thing to pass. They are telling everybody, we're going to give all this away to the Chinese. We're going to give all the way to all to the Russians. This is really going to be bad. The people are going to panic. Um, there, there are catastrophe stories being talked about to people in Congress to scare them into not passing this bill to forcing people to talk about it. It's just nonstop fighting from the people who want to retain control and get really rich off off of uh, uh, new power, new propulsion, new craft, whatever, by doing reverse engineering, and those who want transparency for the American people. It's just, it's just an ugly battle, and we are seeing just little pieces of it from the outside. And the inside battles are really ugly. Here's one thing I've learned over the last couple of months, gentlemen. 
is that this subject, as much as we are debating it publicly, on if we focus on North America alone, there are a lot of private companies right now that are actually setting up UFO and WooDesk organizations with their own yep. insiders and their own people to try and track down and figure out not only UFOs, where and when they're going to appear. We're not talking UAP here. We're talking real UFOs. And, and they want to know where they're coming in, where are the hotspots, can we track these hotspots, can we film these hotspots, but it also leads to every other piece of the phenomena. And there are companies right now, defense companies, energy companies, military companies that are private, that are setting up these woo desks right now trying to figure out what is going on and how can we figure find our own technology to track everything from UFOs to crop circles to paranormal experiences. And, and, and this is and not everything. the United States. It's everywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world, these companies are being set up. Yeah. And, and they're all hiring remote viewers, every one of them. Interesting. Interesting. Can Dave, do you mind me asking a question on this topic? Sure, briefly? please. Please do. We got three minutes. Um, Cool. Um, so, Bob, how do you feel about the Senate's recent push that it says it has a plans for, plan for disclosure involving the president giving 90 days for an independent review board? Do you think this is going to... That, that's, that is the Schumer Amendment. And if so... you want that, you want the Schumer Amendment. And so the board is, is a bipartisan group appointed by the president with the approval of the Senate Majority Leader and the Senate Minority Leader. So both bo uh, both of them have to approve who goes on that panel. And so uh, then the, everybody's given a handful of days to come forward, and the right of eminent domain is asserted on all this property. That means the people of the United States become the owner of all of that stuff, if it's private corporation or not. Because eminent domain is what's used to condemn people's property so they can build a highway on it. It's the taking of private stuff for for the people of the United States. And that's what they're asserting in this law. And people are fighting that like crazy. That's the thing that's hacked people off the most is the eminent domain clauses. I can see that. I can see that. Rob, your thoughts? Oh, man. It, it's just a mess, man. Um, I don't really have anything else to add to that, man. I'm just like... If with the whistleblower situation, you know, the, actually the bright side to the whole thing was that we had 30 to 50 more individuals that were willing to take the jump to, uh, you know, take advantage of the situation and be able to come out and say something. So I look at the silver line and everything. I think that's a big one. Uh, whether we get to get to know what that information was, um, hopefully we do. But as long as there's people that are taking or standing up and saying, hey, I could either stay within the shadows over here and continue, you know, doing what we do here. Or I could take a step over here on behalf of humanity and try to do the right thing and get the word out about what's going on. So 
that, you know, I, I, that's what I got out of the uh, report about the um, 30 to 50 new whistleblowers and the fact that they had stated that there was a triangle crap or one of the people who reported stated that there was reverse engineered triangle crap, um, which would say that we are, for one, for sure, reverse engineering. And these are people who had firsthand knowledge. And so there were reverse engineering and we had to reverse engineer that from something which further confirms uh, our, our, the fact that we have these ET crash retrievals. Well, gentlemen, I want to say a big thank you uh, to Science Bob McGuire, Dr. Bob McGuire, formerly of Virginia Tech University, for coming on the roundtable tonight. Rob G. from the After Hours Show on our YouTube channel. He'll be on Saturday and Sundays on uh, starting at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern for three hours a night. And from our UFO report, Tim Senor. And, of course, we can't forget the mustached Terry Hall himself. His great handlebars can be heard behind the scenes on SOR and sometimes filling in for Tim as one of our insiders as well. It's been another great month on the roundtable, and we look forward to doing it all again next month. Looking back at the month that was, thank you so much for tuning us in because it has been a great, great show. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAB, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.